This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. The story of America is a story of progress and resilience, of always moving forward, of never, ever giving up. We're the only country that has emerged from every crisis we've ever entered stronger than we got into it. NYPD officer Adid Fayez's body made the 9.4-mile drive from Brookdale Hospital in Brooklyn to the medical examiner's office in Manhattan. Declared dead, rows and rows of fellow officers aligned the streets in absolute silence. For nearly 40 years, which Kareem, many people thought, would never be broken. LeBron, you are the NBA's all-time scoring leader. LeBron James, a shot in history. Just so you know, I'm operating on very, very little sleep this morning. You heard the major stories there, that debacle last night from Washington, D.C., the president, LeBron James now, is the all-time leading scorer in the history of the NBA, moving past Lou Alcindor slash Kareem Abdul-Jabbar last night, putting in 38 against Oklahoma City. But uh, no sleep, because I watched the whole State of the Union. It's funny, we were watching... Some show on HGTV, Danielle and I. And I fell asleep. And I told her, I said before, I said, listen, if I fall asleep, please wake me so I can watch the imbecile in chief. She did. She woke me about 5 to 9. And I caught about five minutes of the pregame show. This is not the Phil Sims, Boomer Esiason, or Michael Strahan, Terry Bradshaw pregame show. No James Brown? None of those. This is like John Dickhead Dickerson. <laughs> from Fakes and Nation used to be. I don't know, I think it's on CBS. We watched it on CBS last night. Margaret Brennan, you know, all these uh, horrible people. Dickhead, what do you think? <laughs> yeah. And uh, right off the bat, they started talking about the pandemic and all the excuses. Putin, even before the president took center stage. So I woke up at about 5 to 9 to watch that, and then I watched President Biden speak, and I had to stay up after that to watch... Sarah Huckabee Sanders, because I love her. Of course, if you don't know who she is, she was one of Trump's White House press secretaries, and she was great at it. 
She took no crap from anybody. Her father, Mike Huckabee, was the governor in Arkansas for many years. Now Sarah has followed her father in his footsteps, and she is currently the governor of Arkansas. But i got to tell you right now, we talk about a lot of women possibly being the first president ever from this hackling moron who stood up and clapped last night every opportunity, looked like a fool, the vice president, that bimbo, Kamala Harris, to, um, you know, Christy Nome and we talk about Nikki Haley. I got to tell you, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, my opinion, more impressive than any of them. She's any smart. Of them. She's smart, actually. And you know her for a long time for yeah. the Imus connection, yeah. right? Yeah. No, I always thought yeah. she did whatever, regardless of how you think. She's smart. Very smart. And, um, didn't you bang her years ago at the mansion in uh, Arkansas? Was that... Well, I, I didn't like to talk about it back then. Yeah. But, uh, and I'm on very little sleep, too. So yeah. Did you whatever. watch all those things, too? No. But you know what? <laughs> no. I wanted, but I was, I actually DVR'd so I could watch later to see how he looked walking out. Because I couldn't believe he could do it. He did I it. Actually he did it. Yeah. Can't imagine yeah. him walking out onto that floor when they make all those announcements. And now, ladies and the the president. Uh, I, mean, I, I thought he. I could just imagine him falling flat. He on didn't his do face. it. I thought when he walked up the stairs, maybe he would fall to greet Kevin McCarthy and Kamala Harris. He didn't do it. Now look, he flubbed about a thousand times. He can't speak. No. He can't say he infrastructure. Can't. There are words he just can't say, and it's embarrassing to be honest with you. But I think the New York Post nails it. If you get today's New York Post, the cover reads, Miss State of the Union, President tells so many fibs during the speech, we can't even keep count. Joe Leiden is a picture of Kevin McCarthy behind him. Now, Kevin, unlike that wench, Nancy Pelosi, who two years ago ripped up President Trump's speech right on television for everybody to see, Kevin... Shook Joe Biden's hand not once but twice, to Biden's credit, and then sat there, and even though he did not get up every second like that idiot Harris and clap every time the president lied, and he did sit there and actually rolled his eyes quite a bit, he was very respectful. And the president thanked him and, you know, congratulated Hakeem Jeffries out of Brooklyn, who's supposed to join us at some point, for being the first ever African-American minority speaker of the House. God, who cares already? <laughs> Can we get okay, wait a number that? Oh, God, I don't care. Gay, black, woman. I mean, eat me. I've had enough. God. Yeah, you could be the first eat me person. Yeah, how about one of those? Yeah. yeah. I mean, hopefully he'll be good. That's all. Hopefully Hakeem will be good. I yeah, doubt just it. Just be good. Just be able to right. talk. Right. Then he tried to make a joke at the very top, Biden, about Chuck Schumer. Disaster. <laughs> Felt completely flat. I had no idea what he was talking about. Then he called Nancy Pelosi who, again, I believe committed treason. I know Frank Morano thinks I'm exaggerating. I don't care. I think she committed treason when she ripped up Trump's speech two years ago, called her the greatest speaker of the House ever. You know what I mean? I, I, he, he said, Frank, he said uh, Frank, Frank Morano has always been a favorite. I, Frank, call me Frank. <laughs> Her husband was there last night, too. There was, there was like a row of people. God bless him. He's got hit in the head. He's son. I like to speak. Oh, you go back, Mr. President. I'm sorry. He looked pretty good, actually, Paul. It was like Nancy Pelosi, Paul Pelosi, Bono, who looked terrible last night. What's worse, getting hit on the head by somebody or having to speak to her when she comes home? 
Oh, I'd rather get killed. Yeah, I thought yeah, so. I would rather get killed. Yeah, yeah. I thought so. And then you know, Tyree Nichols' parents were there, and Joe Biden took that opportunity to demonize the police. And don't kid yourself, just because he said most cops are good, blah blah blah. Once he introduced those parents, he took a shot at the cops right away. He tried to fix it after all. Oh, I love most of the police. He took a shot at the cops right away, and that's exactly what I talked about last week. Believe me when I tell you these folks were so upset that those cops in Memphis weren't white. But at the very least, at the very least, these bastards had the opportunity to demonize the police. And even though Joe Biden tried not to do it last night, I believe he did. Tyree Nichols. And I still have no idea why that kid's dead, God rest his soul. No idea. Jason Whitlock, who's a very, very good reporter, said there was something personal between one of those cops in Tyree, that makes sense. It just doesn't make sense that five black cops beat the living daylights out of a black guy and kill him if there's nothing there. So my feeling is <clears throat> we never really have been told the truth about why that kid's dead. Now, no matter what, if it's over a woman, I don't care. The cops should still be prosecuted to the fullest degree. And what they did was disgusting, and God rest his kid's soul. But I don't believe it was just happenstance. Oh, they, they took him out, they beat his ass. There is something more to that story than we'll ever know, but that didn't stop Biden and this administration from taking advantage last night and, again, demonizing the police. But it was one big lie after another, blaming the pandemic and Putin for the economy, actually saying last night inflation's going down every month and, Americans are doing great. Where is that uh, that cut, Lewis, that we're going to start today's show with? You can play it now. What, what number is that, Biden? What? That is number two. Yeah, play that. Play uh, Biden number two. He talks about how two years ago the economy was reeling. Just not true. I mean, President Trump, despite, despite the pandemic, and yes, we had to spend a lot of money, a lot of money, was the economy was starting to improve in dramatic fashion in the worst of times, but that's not what Joe Biden told the American people last night. That's not what Ron and Santa tells me when he comes on this show, and quite frankly, I'm sick of it. Biden, cut number two. Two years ago, the economy was reeling. I stand here tonight after we've created, with the help of many people in this room, 12 million new jobs. More jobs created in two years than any president's created in four oh, shut years. shut up. It's because of the pandemic. Because of you all. Because of the yeah, American worked for two years. I mean, does he understand that a lot of those jobs came back because of the pandemic? They were going to come back no matter what? He didn't create anything. The pandemic ended. Some people, still way too little, went back to work. He didn't do anything. Talks about all these pieces of bipartisan legislation that he signed, you know. Like this um, inflation reduction bill, which anybody with a half a brain will tell you has nothing to do with reducing inflation, which has barely gone down, barely, over the last couple of months. It is a nightmare. Or that infrastructure bill, which spends very little money on infrastructure. This is uh, Joe Biden, cut number five, beating his own chest. In fact, I signed over 300 bipartisan pieces of legislation since becoming president. From reauthorizing the Violence Against Women Act, the Electoral Count Reform Act, the Marriage Act that protects the right to marry the person you love, 
And to my Republican friends, if we could work together in the last Congress, there's no reason we can't work together and find consensus on important things in this Congress as well. Then he goes on to talk. I don't even know what he said there. Then he goes on to talk about Social Security and Medicare. Another lie. He said Republicans wanted to go away. That's not true. And then he thinks it. He goes, well, well, not all Republicans because they start booing them. I mean, the one thing Frank and I talked about this morning was civility is gone. And that is disappointing. It is. I don't care because I hate this administration and I hate these people with such vigor. I just don't care. Like, hate is a strong word. I hate Joe Biden. I don't care what O'Reilly says. I hate him. He's evil. He's a liar. He's garbage. I hate Kamala Harris. Hate her. I hate Nancy Pelosi. I hate Chuck Schumer. I hate these people. So the fact that civility is out the window while being true and somewhat disappointing, I don't care. I loved it when Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert called him a liar, started yelling and screaming. Is it sad? I guess. But, hey. She ripped up the speech two years ago, Nancy Pelosi. So game on, bitch. This is uh, Biden, cut number 13. Some of my Republican friends want to take the economy hostage. I get it. Unless I agree to their economic plans. All of you at home should know what those plans are. Instead of making the wealthy pay their fair share, some Republicans, some Republicans want Medicare and Social Security no, they sunset. Don't. No, they I'm don't. not saying it's a majority. No, they don't. Oh, good. Here we go. Yeah. Let me give you, anybody who doubts it, contact my office. Yeah, tough guy. I'll give you a copy. I'll give you a copy of the proposal. (laughs) He's such a liar. That means Congress doesn't vote. Well, I'm glad to see you. And I tell you, I I enjoy conversion. Yeah. You know, it means if, if Congress doesn't keep the programs the way they are, they'd go away. Other Republicans say, I'm not saying it's a majority of you. I don't even think it's even a significant... Oh my God. But it's being proposed by individuals. I'm not politely not naming them, but it's oh. being proposed by some. Politely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look. Killing them. I love it. Folks. Look. The idea Finish the is job. That we're not going to be. We're, we're not going to be moved into no, I, being threatened okay. to default on the debt if uh, we don't okay. respond. Okay. <laughs> okay. I think he said. Uh, I think he said about twenty times last night. Finish the job. Which, by the way, I said to Danielle too at about nine thirty last night. Uh, this is a uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene calling Biden a liar in the background when he starts talking about. He spent like two seconds on the border. The biggest issue in the United States today, outside the economy, is the border. Which, by the way, plays into the bad economy. He spent like two seconds on fentanyl. And here's Marjorie Taylor Greene, God bless her, cut number 27, calling the president a liar right in the chamber. I'm glad to see you. I guess that was it. It does say a short one. (laughs) That was awfully short, by the way. Very, very short. All right, we'll play uh, Biden all day long. We've actually got 23 cuts from the State of the Union last night. We've got Donald Trump, who responded to it, on Truth Social, and Donald Trump's daughter-in-law, my favorite Trump, Lara Trump, is coming back on this show for the second time in three weeks. So she's our, our new go-to girl. They're still promising me his uh, people there, Steve Chung and Boris Epstein, the president, but we'll take Lara all day long. She's great. So she'll join me at uh, 735. And then we've got Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who I mentioned earlier during this segment. I love her. 
She was great. We played these uh, two from Sanders during her rebuttal last night. This is uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the governor of Arkansas, calling out these leftist progressives. Lewis, cut number 28. And while you reap the consequences of their failures, the Biden administration seems more interested in woke fantasies than the hard reality Americans face every day. Most Americans simply want to live their lives in freedom and peace. But we are under attack in a left-wing culture war we didn't start and never wanted to fight. Every day we are told we must partake in their rituals, salute their flags, and worship their false idols. All while big government colludes with big tech to strip away the most American thing there is. Your freedom of speech. That's not normal. It's crazy. And it's wrong. Make no mistake. Republicans will not surrender this fight. We will lead with courage and do what's right, not what's politically correct or convenient. So good, right? One more from Sarah Huckabee Sanders. She said in that cut, Republicans will not surrender. But in this cut, Lewis, cut number 29, she talks about this feckless, feeble, moronic president doing just that, surrendering. Sarah Huckabee Sanders, Lewis, Cut number 29. You and I were put on this earth for such a time as this to charge boldly ahead. I'll be the first to admit President Biden and I don't have a lot in common. I'm for freedom. He's for government control. At 40, I'm the youngest governor in the country. And at 80, he's the oldest president in American history. I'm the first woman to lead my state. And he's the first man to surrender his presidency to a woke mob that can't even tell you what a woman is. In the radical left's America, Washington taxes you and lights your hard-earned money on fire. But you get crushed with high gas prices, empty grocery shelves, and our children are taught to hate one another on account of their race, but not to love one another or our great country. Whether Joe Biden believes this madness or is simply too weak to resist it, his administration has been completely hijacked by the radical left. Sarah Huckabee Sanders rebuttal last night. Clearly the best part of the evening after the president wasted America's time and lied to the American public for the better part of 80 minutes. Great guests is coming your way today. Later on this hour at 6.40, follows me every morning on WABC at 10 a.m., part of Fox and Friends and One Nation on Fox News. My friend Brian Kilmeade coming up at 7.05 this morning. Now three times a week, he's doing that well, the great Curtis Sliwa. Coming up at 7.35 this morning, the daughter-in-law of President Trump, making her second visit in a month, Lara Trump. Coming up at 8.25 this morning with another reporter, Noam Layden. 8.40 this morning, the great Congressman Peter King. And 9.25, the former FDNY commissioner. After that controversy surrounding Laura Kavanaugh, my good friend Daniel Nigro. Busy day for me. Three hours sleep. I've got a lunch coming up at Rosanna Scotto's Restaurant Fresco's with a major television star. And then a dinner at 9.30 tonight with the mayor of New York City, just Sid and Eric, dining later on tonight. All those details, all these great guests, and all you need to know in New York City and around the world. 
coming your way this morning on the Nielsen-rated number one news talk show in New York City and the self-proclaimed best talk show anywhere in America. That's me. That's us. Sitting friends in the morning. Only right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. And friends in the morning. Entertaining and informative. Boy, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. I sit down with our NATO allies and keep them together. I don't have them saying, wait a minute, how, how old are you? What do you what they say? That's terrible. George Santos to get out last night. Mitt Romney, who is uh, one of the most detestable Republican politicians ever, I mean ever, basically a liberal at this point, he uh, told George Santos to get out last night. Joe Biden, CBS made the point, did not shake George Santos's hand. George actually made sure he was on the aisle. He wanted the president to shake his hand, and Biden did not do that. So not a great night for George Santos Sarah Huckabee Sanders also said that Joe Biden is, quote, unquote, unfit to serve. Now, we'll talk more about Biden's disaster last night. They called it the State of the Union. It was a disaster with uh, Brian Kilmeade, Laura Trump, and Peter King. But there is some sports news from last night, some major news. Let's start locally. Kyrie Irving gets dealt to the Dallas Mavericks a couple of days ago, and that nightmare is over nearly four years just a disgruntled, nasty, horrible guy. Anti-Semitic remarks. Somebody said to me, well, he didn't say them. Let me explain something to you folks. If you retweet something without knocking it, if you retweet something in support of it, you basically said it. So, yes, Kyrie Irving made anti-Semitic remarks, racist remarks, didn't care about his team. He was too busy bitching about the vaccinations. He was an Awful, awful teammate in Brooklyn. He was a bad teammate in Boston. He was a bad teammate in Cleveland. He's going to be a bad teammate in Dallas. Yet, that did not stop Kyrie Irving from taking shots at Brooklyn on his way out. Isn't that true, Macedonia Phil? It is true. What did he say this in great? He said he felt disrespected by the Well, Brooklyn I felt disrespected by him. I think a lot of people felt disrespected yeah. by him. And I, I would say, I would argue... You know, obviously, and saying anti-Semitic marks is very bad in its own right. But I think what he did might be worse. He's just spreading misinformation to millions upon millions of followers. Right. Which is, you know, a single person saying an anti-Semitic remark 
even, even in, in public, isn't nearly as damaging as someone spreading misinformation about it. Well, someone famous like that. I mean, what's going on with Joe? Did Joe Rogan actually say the Jews love money? Yeah. More than the Italians love pizza? Curtis wants I mean, to talk is about he that stupid? Later. Curtis wants to talk about that later. He, he, he pulled me aside and he's. That's fine. That's the thing. We'll talk about it. I mean, Joe Rogan's got to be smarter than that. Joe Rogan was just, if I remember correctly, was pretty critical of Kanye West. And this guy who's got the number one podcast in the world, this mental midget, actually said that Jews love money more than Italians love pizza? What is he, a moron? Uh, it seemed to be the case. Okay. Uh, so Kyrie is in, <laughs> in Dallas. Now, talk about LeBron James. LeBron, for the Lakers last night, needed to score 36 points or more against the lowly Oklahoma City Thunder to go past Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the all-time points leader in the history of the NBA. Some thought he may wait, not play a lot last night, because the next game for the Lakers is against the Milwaukee Bucks. And if you know NBA history, you know that Kareem, before he was a great Los Angeles Laker, was a great Milwaukee Buck, playing with Oscar Robertson and others. But LeBron wasted no time, put in 38 against the Thunder last night. He is now, as we speak, the all-time leading scorer in NBA history. Very simple question for you, Macedonia Phil. You're a young guy, not that smart. (laughs) Breaking the record last night is LeBron James now, in your estimation, the greatest NBA player of all time. I I don't see why that would make sense for my argument, because I thought Michael Jordan was the best player of all time. And he already passed Michael Jordan, so him passing Kareem, I don't think enhances his argument against Jordan in, like, a one-on-one debate. He already was ahead of Jordan scoring. And even then, I, I think the whole, like, charade, I mean, it's not a charade. It's, it's one of the most coveted achievements in sporting history, the all-time scoring leader in NBA. But if we're counting, like, playoffs and regular season combined, he passed them, like, two seasons ago. Oh, like, he did? Yes. But we're not counting. Exactly. Oh, this is only those. regular season, which doesn't make any sense to me, right? Isn't, yeah. like, the playoffs, it's the playoffs. That's the most yeah. important thing. Well, the, the question I just asked you Shaquille O'Neal, the great Laker, Heat, Cleveland, whatever he played, great, asked LeBron James that same exact question last night after he broke the record. This is Shaq talking to LeBron James. Lewis, cut number 36. Does this now make you the greatest player of all time? Are you now the GOAT? (laughs) Uh, you know, I'm gonna let everybody else, uh, you know, decide who that is or just talk about it. But it's great, it's great barbershop co- uh, talk. You know, oh, for no, me, barbershop so racist. Hey, listen, big fella, I, I, I want to hear you say it, Bron. Me personally, say it, I, I, me personally, say it with you know, your I'm, chest, always, I'm gonna take myself. I'm gonna take myself <laughs> against anybody that's ever played this game. Um, you know, but everyone's gonna have their favorite. Everyone's gonna, you know, decide who they who, who their favorite is. But um, I know what I've brought to the table. I know what I bring to the table every single night, and, and what I can. What I can do out on this floor. So, um, you know, I always feel like I'm the best to ever play this game. But, you know, there's so many other great ones, and I'm happy to just be a part of their, uh, part of their journey. So as I'm playing that, a former New York Knicks center that also played a bunch of places. Enos Cantor <laughs> is talking to Peter Ducey on Fox News. So the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, actually invited Cantor to the State of the Union last night. He was there. Former Knicks center Enos Cantor was there. If you don't know his history, he's a guy that Erdogan in Turkey wanted to kill. Him and his whole family, so he's very outspoken on politics. And right now he's talking about LeBron going, listen, he may have 39,000 points, but he hasn't said one thing about China. So I can't hear it because we're talking right now. But supposedly Cantor Freedom, that's his new name, like World Be Free, is slamming (laughs) LeBron for his silence on China. How about that, Uh, Macedonia Phil?
Uh, he's been very outspoken about LeBron for quite some time. I, I mean, he has he has a good reason to be politically outspoken. I mean, the guy's father was imprisoned by Erdogan in, yeah. in Turkey, and you know he had like literal hits put out on him, and was threatened to be uh, assassinated if he ever stepped back into the country. He couldn't even see his dad in prison. So it's he's in a tough spot. But um, I mean, it's is this in poor taste? Uh, I mean, not really, actually. But it's just it, it, it's kind of force fed at this point. The whole and his cancer freedom stuff. I mean, please. I, 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 he wasn't even all that freedom. good. I mean, he's all right. He's fine, but it's not like they're getting the best player ever. He's clearly got some sour grapes because he wasn't all that good. And <laughs> the funny thing is now they're kind of touting as like he's being uh, blackballed from the league because of his uh, political out- right. being political. Right. I mean, he was kind of he was on his way out of the league anyway. No, he complained. Yeah, he's he, not he was, he was yeah. a horrible defender. <laughs> he was a horrible defender. Uh, one more. This is LeBron James on all the emotions he felt after passing Kareem last night. Lou Rapino, LeBron James, cut number thirty-seven. Tonight, I actually felt like I was like sitting on top of the arena tonight uh, when that shot went in and, and the the roar from the from the crowd. Um, I, I'm not sure if I would be able to feel that feeling again unless it's like a game-winning finals shot. Um, but it, it won't be a stop and play. It's just, you know, everything just stopped and you know, and it gave me an opportunity just to kind of like embrace it and look around and seeing my family and seeing the fans and seeing my friends. And oh, yeah. It was uh, it was it was pretty cool. I don't really get to. So my son Gabriel at dinner last night, Phil was telling me that LeBron the last couple of days was seen practicing the hook shot because if he got one basket away from Kareem, oh. he was going to do a hook shot to break the record. Now I can't stand LeBron. He's a magnificent player, great player. You want to argue better than Jordan? You can make that argument. I don't. I think Jordan was better. But it's absolutely a worthwhile argument. Anybody says it's not is being stupid. It is. But I can't stand the guy. But but if he actually made a hook shot to break Kareem's record, that would have been kind of cool. It would have been sick. I mean, I'm, I'm glad he at least got it with like a field goal. He said the, his biggest nightmare would be if he had to shoot a free throw. Right. right. That would suck. Yeah. Everyone would hate that. But he did hit. At least he hit like his shot. That little fadeaway uh, he does from like the uh, the elbow. He pulled up, and as soon as as soon as he pulled up for it, it was everyone like knew it was going to go in. Yeah, it's one of those things. Also, I just want to say, uh, LeBron yesterday his his uh, scoring line was thirty one and a half. The over was the easiest bet I've ever taken. Oh, absolutely, ever yeah, in my yeah, life. yeah. So you won money on that last night. Yes. Yeah. Well, congratulations, Phil. <laughs> More importantly, <laughs> yeah, thank God. You. The achievement's cool from LeBron. Blah blah blah. But I won. Did you dollars, take so. the over six and a half? Joe Biden would say, finish the job. I didn't see that line on FanDuel. Was it there? <laughs> it wasn't there, I guess. It was there, Jack. Yeah. Uh, come on, Six Jack. Is low. I, should, I would have definitely smashed you. Uh, we've got uh, traffic coming up next, and then we'll talk to my friend Brian Kilmeade on as we speak, Fox News. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at Info at GoboLaw.com. Gobble Law, where winning is no accident. This is Sid and Friends.
in the morning. 77 WNBC. Sid and friends in the morning. I bring this guy on every week because he's great. He really is. Does a tremendous job after me. 10 a.m. every weekday morning here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Also, not one but two great shows on Fox News. Part of the Fox and Friends crew every weekday morning. And his own show, really terrific on Saturday nights, One Nation. Here he is on his way to Phoenix, Arizona, four days away from Super Bowl 57 between the Eagles and the Chiefs. My dear friend, Brian Kilmeade. Good morning, Brian. What's happening, Sid? Are you all pumped up going out to uh, Super Bowl 57? Yeah, I mean, this is the first time since 2019 uh, it'll be full blast Super Bowl. I mean, wherever you go, you just gotta, no one's going to say, okay, we got to only have a certain amount of people here, let alone wear masks and all the other crap that we know is all useless. But as you look back, now they're back to the pre-pandemic numbers, in fact, exceeding it. Fourth Super Bowl, Arizona's hosted. So I look forward to getting back to normal. I did not go to the Brady win. I did not go last year. But I've gone to about, uh, I'm thinking, 23 Super Bowls. But to me, it's, uh, it's you know, the game is great. And uh, obviously, usually they've, they've been great of late. So that's cool. But everything leading up to it, uh, having chances to get out and, and see people and do the show remote, is going to be cool and seeing some of these events. I mean, I know we're going to have Dungy, we're going to have uh, Gronkowski, going to do different stuff. I'm going to interview Kane Brown before his concert. Going to do the, uh, I'm going to do the NFL honors and that red carpet where I don't know if you remember in New York when it was here, but they just had the who's who of uh, of entertainment, yeah. sports, and celebrity. So I thought you know that might be a, that's going to be a cool thing Thursday night. Yeah, you know, listen, I don't do sports anymore. Obviously, I do a lot of sports on this show, but. I'm not on Sports Talk Radio anymore, but I did cover 17 Super Bowls myself, and I miss this week. I used to love doing my shows live on Radio oh, yeah. from the site and, you know, me out there with guys like Jim Rome and Dan Patrick, Mike and the Mad Dog, and grabbing Terry Bradshaw, Joe Namath, all these greats, and that's what you got. Now, this game is a pretty good football game. The Eagles, they've been the best team in football all season long, a small favorite over Mahomes and the Chiefs. Now, the biggest story the last two weeks has been the Tom Brady retirement, but now, four days away, it's time for football. Eagles, Chiefs, who does Brian Kilmeade like? Well, I mean, uh, I don't, I'm not breaking it down like you would, but if you just look at this game and know, I mean, the Chiefs are beatable, and, and you got a guy with a high ankle sprain. Uh, who, one of his great, I mean, no, I'm not saying that he is not the best quarterback in football and maybe top 10, even with the high ankle sprain, but you can't tell me that he's going to be 100%. They say that's one of the most debilitating injuries in sports. And I just feel as though they need to be 100%. That offensive line needs to be healthy. They need the wide receivers to be more productive. They need to channel Tyreek Hill. He's gone. And I just believe that it's hard to bet against Philadelphia. But I'm always uh, taken aback by what happened against San Francisco. They literally lost every quarterback. The game was over in the first quarter. They they were much better than the Giants, so they have yet to be tested. But when you lose just one game all year, 
And I don't know what kind of salary cap they're operating under. They got everybody, and they get it all <laughs> under the cap. Yeah. No, listen, uh, the Niners didn't just get hurt. The Eagles are a vicious defense. Gave up 14 points combined between the Giants and the Niners. Now the injury to the Niner quarterback, the kid was a bit flukish. They knocked the other kid out of this galaxy. So the Eagles are a very, very tough football team, very aggressive on defense. But that's the NFL Super Bowl on Sunday. The president... Had his Super Bowl last night, a huge pep rally. Everybody in attendance in Washington, D.C. Everybody from Mayor Eric Adams to Paul Pelosi to Bono from U2. And I talked about it all day yesterday, Brian. I expected the president would lie to the American people for about an hour. He did a lot of that, a lot of lying. And and just, by the way, very conveniently left out some of the real major issues happening right now in the United States. That was a disaster by Joe Biden last night. I like the way he started. Said hi to everybody. Hakeem, congratulations. Kevin McCarthy, nice to meet you. No, enough of that. Um, too minority bad. leader Chuck yeah. Schumer. Yeah. He, minority leader, excuse me, majority leader uh, Chuck Schumer. So, and then he went out there. It was so interesting for a while, Sid, because you and I got to get up early. It's really a challenge to stay up that late. So it's not smart, really, but I did. <laughs> so, right. And, and you're watching it, and it was like the House of Commons. Because when he went out and he goes, yeah, you know, Republicans want to get rid of Social Security and Medicare. They just went, come on, stop making it up. And he's like, okay, all right, maybe you won't do that. Because, you know, one guy, this congressman from Texas, comes out and says there should be a uh, a flat tax, a 20% of consumption tax. That's an outlier. But now that's the new policy of every Republicans. Nobody said that. Nobody claimed that. This is one congressman who wanted to have his voice heard, a uh, part of the deal with McCarthy to become speaker. And now they made that just like everyone's a MAGA Republican who's an extremist that wants to overrun the Capitol. They made it a cartoon, and he went back to that again. This is the problem. No matter what he does, no matter what he says he does, the economy does not feel good to the average person. So there's more people living paycheck to paycheck than ever before. More pay people capping into their 401k than ever before. The average person listening to us right now, Sid, goes to the store and has to pay more for less every day. And then we have a president get up there and go, look at what I've done with inflation. I'm bringing it down. And they say, well, you're not telling me the truth. And, and well, look at all the jobs. Oh, yeah, but uh, my job, my, inf- my salary's not keeping up with the inflation. So what do you mean you're, you added all these jobs? No, you didn't add 800,000 jobs. You added a third of that. A lot of these jobs just came back because of the pandemic. What do you mean you inherited an economy in free fall? That's not the case. It was coming back strong. It was forced to die into the pandemic. What do you mean the previous guy jacked up the uh, the deficit more than anybody else? Do you know that for the first time in over 100 years, we were to, we had a pandemic that forced, and this was the policy of the country and the world, Everyone except people like you and I to go home and stop working and we'll pay you to not work and we'll sustain your business and write you checks just so you don't go out of business and you still went out of business. So that definitely had to do with the president, the former president's spending. And the average person knows that. And when you get up there and start saying things like that, you just go, okay, this is not going to be based in reality. <laughs> yeah. This is Brian Kilmeade talking about the State of the Union, Joe Biden. Last night. No, it wasn't. Uh, it's great. They've got two built in excuses for just about everything. The pandemic, you know, that's a couple of years ago. And of course, Putin's war on Ukraine. That's every excuse. Anything going wrong in the United States, I'm going to blame the pandemic and or Putin. And, uh, you know, his, his plan to tax the rich. And uh, like you said, uh, he talks about making America better economically for everybody, not just the rich. I mean, that was very, very tough to listen to. And I just kept waiting and waiting 
for him to get to the, I don't know, the border, maybe the border, and he really never got there. I mean, you talk about the major omissions from last night, Brian. That may be at the very, very top. Right, and when he did bring it up and says fentanyl's bad, you heard Marjorie Taylor Greene and others go, yeah, but the border. And what about China? It's all related to China. Fentanyl's killing people. Yeah, bolster the border. I got this new policy where um, Venezuela, Cubans, and I think Haitians aren't allowed to come in. Everything's down 98%. No one could find that number. And 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 yesterday, uh, during the day, they had Border Patrol testify, and they just talked about how everything changed when Joe Biden took over. They're wearing uniforms. They're talking about reality. They don't care about politics. I don't even know. You, it's not even clear who, if they voted for Trump. But they said the borders collapsed. And in turn, the Democrats turned around in those hearings and said, another example of white supremacy. Republican white supremacy. So are you kidding? So just because we challenge, because the borders collapsed under this president's white supremacy, the president actually brought it up. It got shouted down. But the woman sitting behind him is in charge of that. Whatever you want to say about Mike Pence and Vice President Joe Biden, they never rejected when the president asked them to do something. Mike Pence, you're in charge of the pandemic. He did it. Hey, Joe Biden, you were at the border. At least he was trying at the border. Barack Obama's border was 80% better than Joe Biden's border, and nobody had a better border than Trump. So this woman didn't even try, and she's sitting behind him. Joe Biden's getting shouted at, and he's totally inept at the border. Do you know, and you know this, we have now converted the Holiday Inn. It's now all these rooms at a cost of, uh, over two or just under two hundred dollars a room. It's going to cost us nine, an incredible amount, ninety five thousand dollars a day. We're putting more another five hundred migrant families into another hotel. They're going to trash, throw out the food, drink in the lobby, have sex in the stairwells. That's because of him at the border. This is costing us billions of dollars. No, it's brutal. And she stood up last night and clapped at every single opportunity, even when he was saying stuff that was. A lie. We knew it was a lie. Stuff that's untrue. She's standing up and clapping and smiling. She's such an embarrassment to any real political position in this country's history. It's hard to look at her. It really is. Sarah Huckabee Sanders, you know, you talked about staying up late. I stayed up until about 1130. I slept for three hours last night, Brian Kilmeade, because I watched that whole abortion of a speech. And then I watched Sarah Huckabee Sanders. And she really concentrated on the woke America that Joe Biden and the progressives are trying to push. Did you like what she had to say last night? She was fantastic. I'm so glad you asked me that. I I said, wow, 40 years old. Uh, at eight years old, she's handing out flyers for her dad. And now we know she was a tough as hell press secretary. She was so on the money, brought up the woke stuff. We don't, you know, the gender crap. Uh, brought up what it was like on Christmas Day to leave her family, go with Trump, go visit the troops, the troops' reaction to seeing her, talk about a generation of leadership and talk about what she's going to do locally, talk about Bill Clinton, President, Governor Mike Huckabee working together. Uh, so she had a lot of great lines, well-written, well-delivered. And think about it, Sid. There's sometimes in life you get nervous. You know, if we put you today at MetLife in front of 75,000 people, you, you might be a little bit nervous, even though you're on the air every day. She, after the, what she put up as a press secretary, I just knew she was going to be able to deliver yeah. this speech. This is twice now. I think Tim Scott last year and then Sarah Huckabee Sanders this year, where I think both of them uh, improved their political fortunes by by doing it, just a great speech, full of great content, big digression, 
didn't get that personal and said, uh, over, out, watch me. I thought it was very impressive. So did I. 60 seconds to go again last night. In my opinion, a win for Donald Trump. I am playing audio this morning that he put on his true social account last night. He put together like a little press conference, and you can watch the video, hear the audio here. But another win for Donald Trump. You know, the less he talks and the more he allows Joe Biden to talk, Brian, the better things are for Donald. By the way, Lara Trump will join me in about an hour, uh, about 7.40 this morning. But another win last night, I think you'd agree, for Donald Trump. Yeah, I didn't see the address, but I read it. I'm going to roll a clip of it. Uh, but he's smart to lay out. I mean, he's winning in most of the polls in the states. What he's what he's sucking wind on is donors. And it looks like the Koch brothers are going to rally against him. The Club for Growth is going to have a donor summit. Invited Tim Scott, Governor DeSantis. Invited uh, Nikki Haley. Uh, Mike Pompeo didn't invite him. That was a big supporter of his. So the question is, with the foundation a little unwieldy, DeSantis, I don't know if I said that or not, is is that going to be his undoing? Uh, we'll see and see if he can go out there and just take on Biden and not take on DeSantis, Nikki Haley and others. That'll be a bit of a challenge until you actually have to take them on, which is interesting because they're going to run on Trump's policies. And he's going to go, yeah, wasn't that great? Yeah, didn't you like that? I did that and I could do it again. You worked for me. You know, so this got to be a fascinating situation. Agreed. Listen, I have a uh, safe trip out to Arizona. I'll be listening and watching the next couple of days. You're great with sports, too. Great with politics and great with sports. So enjoy the action in Arizona. Enjoy the Super Bowl. We'll do this again next week, buddy. Thank you so much. You were great. All right. Uh, thanks so much. I appreciate your sports, Sid. Go get him. All right. There he is, Brian Kilmeade, everybody, on his way to Super Bowl 57 with Fox News and, of course, Fox Radio. He'll come your way, I believe, Thursday and Friday from Arizona. Big game coming up on Sunday. Another great appearance. And my dear friend Brian Kilmeade comes up there for me 10 o'clock every weekday morning right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Lots more to do this morning, including Larry Trump. She'll be here at 735. And the great congressman Peter King, he'll be here at 840. Keep it right here. More of Sid and Friends in the morning. Friends in the morning. All right, 707, hour number two on this epic hump day Wednesday edition of the Nielsen-rated number one news talk show in New York City and the self-proclaimed best talk show anywhere in America. That's me. And we got a huge show coming up today. Larry Trump, Peter King, Daniel Nigro, all of them. 
But uh, Curtis is here. I decided to put Curtis on three days a week. Now, what is that awful? Why are you picking your own songs? They're horrible. Horrible. What do you mean horrible? That's, what, that's, what is that horrible song? That's that's like one of the number one dance songs in America. Go Brandon. Go Brandon. Did, didn't <laughs> is you that listen? what that is? Of course. I didn't even know that. You didn't even listen yeah. to the words. I don't care. But then again, I've been listening to you as I listen every morning, Monday yeah. through Friday, 6 hey, well, to what, 10. A, what a great hour. Oh, who broke down the State of the oh, Union the better chorus. than me? Yeah, Nobody. You're all, well, first of all. Let's get it straight. He exceeded expectations, Who Joe did? Biden. Why, because he showed up? Uh, no, because he didn't stumble and fumble <laughs> and mumble his way through. You know what all the expectations were. He went over an hour. I know he did. Okay, so I actually, I actually thought when he made his way to the stage, I guess, uh, to greet Kevin McCarthy and Bimbo Kamala Harris, that much like he did on Air Force One, he may fall up the stairs and you're right, Curtis. He didn't do that. He exceeded expectations. <laughs> he got through the entire ah, speech. On. And remember, he made the face of the Republican Party, not Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who you've been extolling her virtues. I Mo love her. Most people didn't watch that. Let's be honest. Because they're stupid. He made the face of the Republican Party, Marjorie Taylor Greene. And she was great. Yeah, she was great. Yes, the liar. He's a liar. Yeah, that'll do you great. Here's the one who doesn't believe in 9-11. Here's an anti-Semite. Here's a person. These are different things you're bringing uh, excuse up Excuse me, but yeah. it was a brilliant strategy. He ginned up his base. <laughs> he hit all the topics that Democrats want to hear. Because remember, sure. he was sinking in the polls for Democrats. So you have to strengthen your base. Meantime, your guy, Trump, what is he doing? Bashing and trashing DeSantis by sending out photographs of DeSantis with teenage girls that he was teaching in a private school in Georgia. Come on, Sid. Well, he did uh, He did do that, you're right. And That's disgusting. Well, his daughter-in-law, Lara, is about to join me momentarily, so please stop saying bad things about my friend, President Donald Trump. He did actually respond, now that you brought it up, Curtis, to Joe Biden's State of the Union last night on his Truth Social account. It was a video. And uh, now that you brought it up, here it is. Donald Trump, cut number 24, as per Curtis Sliwa, responding to Joe Biden's epic fail last night. Here's the real State of the Union. Over the past two years under Biden, millions and millions of illegal aliens from 160 different countries have stormed across our southern border. Drug cartels are now raking in billions of dollars from smuggling poison to kill our people and to kill our children. Savage killers, rapists, and violent criminals are being released from jail to continue their crime wave. And under Biden, the murder rate has reached the highest in the history of our country. Biden and the radical Democrats have wasted trillions of dollars and caused the worst inflation in half a century. Real wages are down 21 months in a row. Gas prices have soared and are now going up much higher than even before. And the typical American family is paying $2,200 in increased energy and food costs each year. Joe Biden's weaponized Justice Department, and I'm a victim of it, is persecuting his political opponents. His administration is waging war on free speech. They're trying to indoctrinate and mutilate our children. He's leading us to the brink of World War III. And on top of all of that, he's the most corrupt president in American history. And it's not even close. But the good news is we are going to reverse every single crisis, calamity, and disaster that Joe Biden has created. So say what you want about my friend President Trump. You can kill him all you want.
For 80 minutes, Joe Biden lied to the American people last night. And for two minutes, right there, Donald Trump gave you all the truths. Yeah, and, all what, of them. and what overshadowed that? You're right. That was an excellent presentation by former President Donald Trump. But what overshadowed that is the poison that he filtered out there against DeSantis. This guy can't stop himself from attacking his fellow Republicans. Listen, I, I agree with that. Um, Biden I, I wants Trump yeah. to run. <laughs> yeah. He so desperately wants Be Trump to run. Be what you wish for, Curtis. I'm telling you, I don't care that what he speech wants. last night was yeah. a political speech. It no, wasn't no, a speech no, you, for the you're nation. You're right, you're right, because he, he left out all the important issues for the nation. You're right, he was trying to galvanize his party. The real dumb Democrats, like Kamala Harris, stood up and applauded like seals. The Democrats that have a half a brain sat there and went, oh, my God, what is this? The rest of the country knew he lied Sid, to his teeth. Sid, it was a brutal speech Sid, last when night. when you talk Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, you talk about people who are 55-plus who vote. The youngsters don't vote. It's the old-timers who vote. And he was appealing to the Democratic base. Remember, his numbers have been falling with his base. So what he successfully did... Was he strengthened his base? He basically said, I can go into 2024. You haven't heard any Democrats say, well, man, he stumbled and fumbled his way. His problem is his son, Hunter Biden, and all their nefarious deeds. But he made the face of the Republican Party, Marjorie Taylor Greene, and that's a brilliant strategy. All right, so last that's a night, brilliant strategy. about 6.30 last night, I was sitting in the lobby of my hotel. Yes. And I was thinking about you because I received two texts in a row that I know you would have loved if you were sitting next to me. One came from our mutual friend, one of your childhood buddies from Canarsie, who's become a really close friend of mine at this point, the very handsome Anthony Carone, whose brother, of course, Frank, did a tremendous job as Mayor Eric Adams' chief of staff. And then right after that, right after that, the next buzz on my phone was, in fact, the aforementioned Mayor Eric Adams in D.C. about to attend... The State of the Union last night asking me about dinner later on tonight, which we're doing, 9 o'clock tonight, me and the mayor. So Corone and Adams, if, that not, if that's not a perfect daily double for Curtis Sliwa. Well, let me tell you something. Okay. Isn't that brilliant? Isn't that brilliant? Let's see. You were in the hotel lobby of the Holiday Inn down in Wall Street where they're now going to move in all the illegal aliens. No, 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 no. It's not the Holiday Inn. It wasn't Wall Street. It's Midtown. It's Park Avenue. But you're right. They're moving illegal aliens oh, to, to Wall Street. And, and by yeah. the way, that's your friend, Eric Adams, who's doing that with our money, yeah. our tax dollars. Uh -huh, right. That's number one. Number two. His homeless department of homeless secure, excuse me, homeless services uh, commissioner has resigned in disgrace because the entire department is impaled. So he's having dinner with you. The fire department is in chaos. You're going to be talking about that later. And what does he have time to do? Sit down with Sid Rosenberg at Osteria La Baia. No, no, we're not going there tonight. Oh, that's because it's wired up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> no, 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 no. I've been by there the with, FBI. I, I've been there with the mayor. We like that restaurant. Tonight, even though he doesn't eat meat, I'm actually going with Eric to a steakhouse. Oh, oh I see oh, a steakhouse. Oh, oh, oh. By yeah, the way, yeah, uh, yeah. will uh, his newest friend, the crook Malcolm Smith, be attending <laughs> with you, well, the, the know, former the state person, senator? No, 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 he's not coming. No, oh, no, he's just, hanging out no, with Eric no, Adams he's not all the hanging time. Out with, he's hanging out with me. No, no, Malcolm Smith, don't you know? No, the guy and, went and, to and, jail. And, and while you talked about these uh, homeless, uh, the, the, the uh, what's his position, this uh, idiot that resigned yesterday, I want to remind you that the reason why me and the mayor have to have dinner at 9.30 tonight, which is very late for me, is because the mayor, 
good-hearted as he is, as he does every Wednesday night, will be handing out food to a large population oh. of the homeless people oh, right hey. by Madison Square Garden they, before he meets me. For are dinner. they the illegal aliens that he's no, taking I, I, care I, I, of? I don't by know. the way, let me ask you, you went to Baruch. You could have been an accountant. Yeah, I, but, I really did go, unlike George Santos. Right, yes. but, uh, <laughs> with your sharpened number two pants, you can help the mayor tonight when you sit down with him. He went from wanting $2 billion from the federal government for all these illegal aliens to $4.2 billion in one day. Well, that's fine. And yesterday, <laughs> when they were asking him, the New York Post was asking him, how do you how do you figure this out with your math? And he said, I'm not really very good with math. It's not. Tell me. Well, remember, the guy who prepared his tax returns was a homeless guy, remember, at the time. <laughs> I don't that was that having way. all kinds of emotion, which I maybe don't know if these stories are true that you bring up. I yeah, have yeah, no idea. No, no, read it in the papers today. You, you, like, the, you, you, like, right you like Biden at this point. Well, why don't you promise <laughs> to become yeah. his accountant and straighten out the books? Uh, well, how do you go from demanding $2 billion yeah. to $4.2 billion for the illegal aliens? The issue is worse than he thought it was. It's a racket. He's trying to fix this damn thing, Curtis. Yeah, fix He's it. trying to fix it. He's trying to strengthen Catholic charities, which is making millions of dollars from us to suck at taxpayers. One <laughs> thing you can't help him with, though. Yeah. Okay. Believe it or not, yeah. like everybody else in the world, he now has a podcast. My plumber has a podcast. My dentist has a podcast. The whole world has podcasts. Joe Rogan has a podcast, and he hates the Jews. Yeah, we'll get to that momentarily. Uh, I want to play for you. You haven't heard it yet because you can help him with this. All right. The mayor now has his own podcast. His can own I, podcast. Can I play you a little well, what bit? What is of, it called, this podcast? Well, well, well let's I'm play it. can you hear it? Let's play it. Hold is on it, a wait, wait a second. How do I know you haven't doctored something? No, it's on his Twitter account. You swear. Absolutely. That's where I got it from. Now, you think he's going to send it to me through Frank Caron? <laughs> Those crooks belong jailed with Malcolm Smith, his newfound friend. Can we hear his podcast and you can rate it? Absolutely. Go ahead. New York City, it's your mayor, Eric Adams. And I'm excited to welcome you to my new podcast. Welcome to the Get Stuff Done cast. Let's get to it. I like it. I like it so far. Sucks. Upbeat. On January 26th, oh, yeah. Mayor Eric Adams delivered the 2023 State of the City Address. Here are the highlights. Welcome to the State of oh, the City God. Address. Okay, fine. Please welcome the 110th Mayor <laughs> of the great city of New York, uh. Mayor Eric Adams. Oh, it's a good song. Come on. Come on. He's like Dick Morris. <laughs> Stop it. He's got to play a song. This is good. I like it. Oh, God. So far, this is My fantastic. New Yorkers, I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. That, that's enough of the torture oh, listen, for our I, I, I want to listen to this. It, it, it's on. a lot better than what I viewed last night from Washington, D.C. A lot better. Yeah, but could, could you do your, your friend a favor? A... Please, tell him you'll be his accountant. You graduated from Baruch. <laughs> right. That's number one. And number two, you're going to uh, produce his podcast, because it really sucks. <laughs> and by the way, how many podcasts are there out there? Ten trillion podcasts. You know, this is the new wave. Everybody's got a podcast. you got to listen to my podcast. Why do I have to listen to your podcast? I do live and local radio. There's nothing more powerful than that. How many people you have following on your podcast? Oh, uh, 10 trillion. Did you buy all those bots on Spotify? Because then when all of a sudden you get down to how many are listening, maybe eight people, and they're all family members and friends. What if I can convince Mayor Eric Adams tonight to bring you on as his next podcast guest? 
You got it. Tell me the daytime and place <laughs> well, on there. But you just maligned it, said yes. it was so bad. Yeah, but you see, I get a chance to cross-examine him because, <laughs> let's face it, podcasts no. are always softballs, right? I mean, let's face it, they're softballs. They never deal with anything uh, of an intensive well, nature. Which, by the way, makes no sense because the beauty of the podcast is you're not governed like we are here by the FCC. You can curse. You can get nasty. You can basically do whatever you want like Howard does on SiriusXM. There is no governing body. It's, so you would think they go over the top. But no, you're right, it, they don't. It's edited. Don't. Yeah. First of all, it's edited. They don't take calls. No. The strength of talk radio is dealing with your many listeners out there. They don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Basically, they're in their own little world, <laughs> like Joe Rogan smoking his, his blunt air, right? What is that? Well, are you gonna are you gonna praise him now? I, 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 remember I don't when like you him. Were... No, 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 uh, no, wrong guy. Wrong guy. Now, of course, I can't deny the fact, Curtis Lee, that he's have he's having immense success. He's got the number one podcast in the world, and there are times when I play some of his stuff, but he's the most boring, less interesting person yeah, second, I've ever Sid. heard. He said you're only into the t Benjamins. You and your people, <laughs> the <laughs> Jews, only yeah. want money. That's your whole position in life. He, he more actually, money, more he, money, more money. He actually said the Jews love money. Like the Italians love pizza. That's right. That's right. And what an idiot. Now, now imagine out in Matza Pizza, a.k.a. Massapequa, where, remember, Brian Kilmeade is from, right? Yes, you just yes. interviewed Brian Kilmeade and so many other of our listeners. Boy, that's going to go over real well. <laughs> the Jews can say, hey, we're only into making money, and you guys, your pizza twirlers, you Italians, you spaghetti benders. <laughs> And people are still, oh, i got to listen to Joe Rogan every day no, because no, no. he smokes a blunt. Well, boycotting Joe Rogan. To me, right now, Joe Rogan is no different than Kanye West. And by the way, I'm not boycotting. I can't wait to see a Gemini Lounge. Congratulations. It's going to be in theaters all throughout North America. This is going to be a huge picture. It's going to make your day because you're the star. I just want to know who plays the role of Anthony Centaur because I hear he's ready to be sprung from jail. Am I right about that? I believe he's ready. This yes, guy. This year. I heard this year. Who was found guilty of 10 murders. And I know <laughs> he did even more because I grew up with these guys. Whoever played his part, it better be a good role. Or Anthony Centaur with his smile. He always used to smile. I said, Andy, what are you smiling about? I'll wipe that smile off your face. We'll come and kill the guy. I don't know who plays Anthony. I don't, I'm not the star of the movie. I play Roy DeMeo's cousin, Joe Guglielmo Dracula. I've got a nice role, but Danny A is the star. He plays Roy DeMeo. Danny A will be live in studio, by the way, on Friday. You got Bobby Cannavale's kid, Jake Cannavale. He's got a huge role. He plays Chris Rosenberg. Guys like uh, Greg Finley, Bo Geetle. Uh, Lucy Hill. Uh, the guys I'm interested. Joey Test, the Patty yeah, Test, yeah. the Anthony Center. They're all in there. They're the ones I grew up with. I taught him <laughs> stickball. I gave him their first beatdowns. And you're Dracula? Damn right you are. You're a blood sucker. <laughs> Sid Wells, right? That's another myth about Jews, right? The blood libel. When are you going to condemn Joe Rogan? <laughs> right and, now. And call for Rabbi Joe Potasnik and the Anti-Defamation League to protest against him with your good friend Dove Hyken, who's flipped the script on Trump, too. That is why, ladies and gentlemen, Curtis Sliwa is on this program not once, not twice, but three times a week, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, besides doing his own highly rated show, really highly rated, noon to one, every weekday afternoon, and all weekend long, we covered about five different topics, funny, smart, informative, Curtis Lee is a genius. We'll take a short break, coming up in about 13 minutes, the daughter-in-law.
of President Donald Trump making her second appearance on this show in less than a month. Laura Trump talks to me, Sid Rosenberg, coming up. The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to digitaldollarreport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. You know, I mentioned my son Gabriel earlier. I do want to congratulate my daughter Ava. She's in college right now at Cardiff in Wales in Europe. And we found out yesterday Ava got first class grades right there at the very, very top in her freshman year. I miss her. I love her. Congratulations, Ava. She loves a great acai bowl. And that brings it to my dear friend John. John, the buyer bar. They make the best acai bowl in New York City. He's listening right now because he loves the Trump family, like most of us do. So with that said, making her second visit in less than a month, my favorite Trump, along with Donald, and that is Lara Trump. Lara, it's so great to have you on this morning. Thank you for coming back. How are you? I'm great. Well, thank you for, for the uh, return trip. Uh, and congrats to both of your kids. Thank it's you. It's always nice to be able to be br- proud of our children. And sounds like you've got a lot to be proud of there. So, uh, so congrats to you as well. Oh, thank you. Thank you. My, my, oh, thanks. My son's doing well eighth grade. My daughter's in college in Europe. That's tough, but she's doing great. No thanks to the president or, or education here in New York City, by the way. We'll get to that. But listen, Lara, very simply, yesterday leading up to this speech last night, I told my listening audience, get ready for about 60 minutes of lies He's going to find a way to try to tell you that the government is doing great, the country's doing great, things are on the upswing. And if you were expecting that, you weren't disappointed because he basically lied for about 80 minutes. Yes? Yeah, uh, 73 minutes, I believe, because we can't expect too much out of Joe Biden, of course. <laughs> and I saw, I saw that somebody wrote that it wasn't really the state of the union, it was the state of delusion, which is exactly right, because... He painted a picture of sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows for America. And I think people look around and they say, what America is this guy living in? And we know that Joe Biden is often kind of trailing off. He doesn't know where he is. He doesn't know exactly what's going on. But, man, did he miss the mark. And I think for me, aside from the fact that you're right, he lied about how well things are going. He lied about how many jobs he had created under his presidency. Um, He lied about so many different things. But then he didn't even point to the major issues our country is facing right now, like inflation, like the fact that the average family is paying $2,200 more a year now in energy uh, prices and in, uh, you know, groceries and just everyday products than they were the day that Joe Biden took office. He didn't address the southern border, which is wide open, where you have millions of people who have now poured over that border from 160 different countries around the world going totally unchecked. Um, He didn't address the fentanyl crisis that is killing 100,000 Americans every year and is the leading cause of death for our youth in America right now. And talk about missing the mark, China. Now, we know, you know, Joe Biden has had a cozy relationship in his family with China for a long time. But to have just had for a week a Chinese spy balloon traverse the entire United States of America only to then be shot down 
when it finally got to the other side of the country, and I assume collected whatever data it actually was here to collect and to send a very big signal to the world and to America, which I think it did, um, to not even acknowledge the very real threat that China poses to America. I mean, this is our biggest threat around the world. Um, it was a miss. And I mean, you're right, though. Who could have expected different? From Joe Biden. Exactly. And of course, Lara, I was just waiting for him to take a shot at your father-in-law. He's He loves doing that. And he talked about how your father-in-law, President Donald Trump, increased the, the deficit. Uh, what he didn't explain was we were going through a pandemic and there were folks yeah. who were staying home and getting paid. And by the way, Lara, getting paid a decent amount of money to stay home just to keep America afloat. So whatever happened to the deficit back then under your father-in-law was to keep America alive, basically. He didn't point that out. And then he lied, too, about Republicans who wanted to get rid of Social Security and uh, Medicare. I mean, three right. big lies right there, including one about your father-in-law. Yeah, well, no, no shocker that he had to take a knock at Donald Trump. Um, but you're right. I mean, the Social Security Medicare thing was really outrageous. And I think people, anybody who, God bless you, if you had to watch it, like some of us did, um, <laughs> you saw the reaction from the Republicans. I mean, they were livid because it is a flat out lie, it, you know, to twist the truth around and to make it convenient for you when you are giving a state of the union address is not acceptable for the president of the United States. What people expect to hear is what you have planned for the future of the country. How is it that you are going to do things that will put our country first, that will help our people? And then, of course, to lie about the other party. Uh, it's a very convenient time to do so. But I think you saw the reaction there uh, from from the Republicans. They were not pleased with it and uh, and they made their voices heard. But, you know, I think people can very clearly see not only does Joe Biden not have anything to offer America, not that we, we didn't know this two years ago, but they can see that he's also a little bit delusional with it and that this is not the person that we want to allow to run this country two years from now when he supposedly is running for president again. There was a lot of kind of stumbling over his words. There were a lot of uh, kind of questionable things like in the beginning with Chuck Schumer where he doesn't didn't really know what position he had, what his title was. Um, so I don't think it was a great performance for him, but, um, you know, bless his heart, as we say. <laughs> bless his heart. It was awful. Uh, this is a Lara Trump on the day after the State of the Union. I want to get to uh, President Donald Trump. He did do a video on Truth Social. I played a lot of it this morning. And he was great. He pointed out that, hey, how about talking about crime? How about talking about the border? How about talking about fentanyl in China? All the things, Larry, that you mentioned about eight minutes ago that Joe Biden conveniently left out while he was yelling and screaming and Kamala Harris was uh, clapping and giggling and all that nonsense. I thought your father-in-law's speech last night on Truth Social nailed it right to the money. Yeah, and, and you know what? He's right. I think those are the concerns. That Americans have. Before you guys went to your break, I heard the uh, I heard the report uh, about the traffic and in New York, and it made me say, "Oh gosh, I'm glad I'm not having to sit in traffic in New York." <laughs> but I'm also glad I'm not having to walk through the streets of New York these days because it's dangerous and people are scared. And there is crime that has skyrocketed all over this country. You look at a homeless crisis all over America, drug use up, suicides up. So I mean, there are so many issues I think that Americans have and. I think they want someone who can say, here's the problem and here's how we're going to fix it. And I think that, you know, you heard from my father-in-law a lot of 
what you didn't hear yeah. from Joe Biden last yeah. night. Yeah. And uh, and that's the kind of leader we need going forward. No, that was the real State of the Union. Your father-in-law on Truth yeah. Social. But, but exactly. listen, I, I got to be honest with you because, you know, I love you. And I keep telling you my favorite Trump. And I will vote for your father tomorrow morning. This is just my opinion. I want yours. He's got to stop going after Ron DeSantis. There's got to be a better way. Uh, at least, just say, listen, he's a great governor, but there's a big difference between governor and president. I've already done it. But him going after him, taking shots, just my opinion, Lara, I don't think it's going to work. Well, I, I think that there are probably a lot of people who agree with you. You know, the interesting thing with Donald Trump is oftentimes he does things when in the moment people say, why is he doing it that way? That doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't get it. And then when you look back on things, perhaps it makes a little more sense. I don't know if this will be one of those things. But the truth is, you know, Donald Trump is the only declared candidate for president on either side of the aisle right now. But he's a guy from Queens and he likes to, you know, take shots at people if he feels like things have not uh, been done properly or maybe people haven't been as loyal as, as they otherwise should have in his opinion. And I think that maybe that's a little bit of what you're seeing there with Ron DeSantis now. Whether or not that is the best strategy going forward, I, I don't know. But, again, he oftentimes does things that people question in the moment, and then when they look back, they say, oh, well, now it makes a whole lot of Oh, that is sense. fair. Uh, that, that has happened, to your point, Lara, a million times. One more uh, concern uh, for Donald Trump, and uh, Brian Kameed was on with me this morning talking about that, and that is the donor money. A lot of donor money, Lara, seems to be going to – Ryan DeSantis, even Tim Scott grabbed a bunch of money yesterday. The Koch brothers announced this week they're not going to give your father-in-law the money. Uh, is that becoming an issue at this point early on in Donald's campaign, or do you think he's not worried about it? No, I don't think he's worried about it. Think back to 2015. Donald Trump funded his own campaign until he became the Republican nominee in 2016, and that was actually one of his strengths because he didn't have – you know, lobbyists, special interest groups. He didn't have anyone to whom he was beholden other than the American people. And I think that, you know, it doesn't require you to have the support of big money donors. What you need to have is the support of the American people. And you look at small dollar fundraising for Donald Trump throughout his time as a candidate and as president when he was raising money again, and you see that he has the strength of the people behind him. Uh, there's a long way to go still. So let's not count all of our chickens before they hatch. But, no, I don't think that that's a major concern of his right now. But on the way out, do we both agree, Lara, that that was embarrassing last night, bunch of lies? And, and actually, Donald Trump did a much better State of the Union in about five minutes on Truth yeah. Social than Joe did last night. And it is very early in the game, and your father-in-law is the only one to declare so far. What happens from here? What does Donald Trump do on a daily basis gearing up for the next year for Iowa, those types of spots? Well, I mean, I think you saw the other weekend he was in New Hampshire. He was in South Carolina. Um, he wants to go out and be among the people. He wants to hear from people again and do something that obviously Joe Biden is not willing to do and actually listen to the concerns of the American people and find out where are you right now? What do you need right now? And how do you want us to move forward? Um, so I think you'll see him doing a lot of smaller events. I think at some point the rallies probably will come back. Um, but, you know, he's he's gearing up in the best way you can, which is talking 
to all of the people in this country that he can he can get around and, and see what they need and what they want and what they're looking for in their next president. God, you are such a great spokesman for your father-in-law. Oh, <laughs> I love I love Junior and I love Kimberly and, and of course your husband Eric too. But my God, is Donald Trump lucky to have you as his daughter-in-law? <laughs> I love you on I'll this remind show. Remind him of that next time I see him. <laughs> I'm going to remind him too. Uh, please keep Good. coming back. That was a great job again this morning. Keep talking. You really are special. Thank you so much. You got it. Thanks a lot. All right. Take care. There she is, the daughter-in-law of President Donald Trump. She really is spectacular, Lara Trump. We'll, uh, I guess, take a short break. We'll come back. More on a hump day Wednesday morning with me, Sid Rosenberg, Sid and Friends in the Morning. Talk Radio 77, WABC. I hope she wasn't upset that I told her, tell your father-in-law to stop with the DeSantis stuff. But uh, I'll find out. Oh, that's why she's posting. No, no. <laughs> yeah. I did reach out to her and say, I hope you're okay with that. But no, she's great. And uh, she comes on now every couple of weeks. And it's been a great show. Curtis Sleva was terrific. He always is. Brian Kilmeade still to come. Noam, 825. Peter King, 840. And former FDNY Commissioner Daniel Nigro at 925. That's become... A bit of a sticky issue, the FDNY with Laura Cavanaugh demoting people, getting rid of people. So we'll, uh, I know Eric Adams, my friend, the mayor, we're having dinner later on tonight again. I know he spoke on behalf of the fire department. Do we have that today, Eric Adams, 
defending the commissioner, Laura Kavanaugh, yet? If we don't, I did ask for it a couple of hours ago, but we'll get to it. We'll but I am going to, gonna, uh, we don't have it yet, do we? Uh, no, Phil just jumped, yeah. so I, I, that's what I That's assumed. fine. Like I said, I'm going to see the mayor tonight for dinner anyway, so. He was in uh, D.C. He was actually at the State of the Union last night. I didn't see him. Saw Paul Pelosi, saw Bono from U2. Some other uh, folks, I guess, that were, uh, you're like, hey, why are they there? I didn't see Eric. He was there. But we're going to have a little dinner tonight. And once again, I'm going to tell the mayor what I don't like, what I do like. He will feed the homeless tonight. That's become a Wednesday night deal with him. Every Wednesday, he heads down with uh, my friend Eleonora Srugo, Gigi Nunez, uh, a friend who was live in studio a couple of weeks ago. Remember that guy? He was wearing the jet jersey and the ranger hat. I always forget his name. God, it's terrible. The guy who was... Uh, he feed, started feed, this whole feeding, thing. Uh, yeah, he feeds the homeless. Yeah, a really good person. Oh, Noel McGuire, I think. So uh, the mayor will do that tonight, and then he's going to meet me for a 9.30 dinner. I'm going to be a mess tomorrow. I'm having lunch this afternoon with Louis Ruelas. Uh, if you don't know who he is, he's married to Teresa Juadice, who's the big, big star, the star of the Bravo Real Housewives series. She's on New Jersey. So Louie and I are having lunch at Rosanna Scotto's Fresco later on this afternoon, and then dinner with the mayor tonight. I'm like a big star, uh, Lou. You know. um, well, that's sort of reality TV stars, yeah. a mayor. Yeah, that's what I do. You know. Yeah. Why are you going to be a mess? Everyday people like you just go home and have a couple of beers and whatever you do. I yeah, don't know. That's right. Gross I, thing you do. I live on uh, Everyday Street. Right, Everyday right. Street. Yeah, you know. but I'll, I won't be a mess tomorrow, and you will be. That's fine. Well, yeah, y- so. here's the good news, though. I stopped drinking. So you may still be a bigger mess because on any given night, you're still good for three or four beers. Well, it depends. That's how you look at it. But what's I tonight? Guess. Is tonight a big night for you? Anything? No. no. You're not going to celebrate LeBron James going past Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? Not I a big deal? I didn't celebrate last night. Why would I celebrate <laughs> yeah. tonight? No? No. Kyrie Irving no. taking no. shots at Brooklyn on his way to Dallas doesn't do it for you? This, I, I don't think I laughed harder in the last couple of days than when I saw that headline. He's such a jerk off. It's I, unbelievable. This team allowed him to take days off, yeah, and they didn't even know where he was. No one even knew. They didn't even know right. where he was. Right. He should have gotten the damn shot. I'm so sick of you people. And they yelled at me, me and Bernie, because we got the shots right away. I got the shot because I was living in New York City, and maybe you folks forgot, but early on with COVID, you couldn't go anywhere, not a restaurant, not a ball game, without getting vaccinated. Now, now Bernie was on Long Island. He didn't even need it. I needed it. And then, you know, these people are like, well, people are dying. Will you stop it? Just stop. The overwhelming minority of people are dying from the vaccination. I mean, a, a small, small, minuscule percentage. Just stop. He's making $100 million. Shut your stupid face. Get the damn shot and go play basketball. That may be in that is probably the right thing to do when you're making $34 million yeah. a year. Get the stupid shot, like, take the risk. Right. Just, now hand me the basketball. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure the guys uh, smoke weed every day. That's a lace with who, who knows what. No, he's okay with that. The rest of everything he's doing. That's a legend, by but the, the way. But yeah. the part of saying I was disrespected. By, by Brooklyn. How... How can you that can possibly yeah. come through his head? Right. When he bakes it, when he when he, he when was he, allowed to do anything, he got the he got uh, Kenny Atkinson fired. He did, and Kenny was a great coach. So he was allowed to. He also got Steve Nash fired. That's he got the, him fired. He and uh, Durant were saying we really don't need a we coach. don't need a coach. We'll yeah. uh, we'll yeah. probably run the team. So when he didn't even show up. So they asked this imbecile, this hateful moron, 
What do you mean about disrespected by Brooklyn and the Nets? You're the one who called out the Jews and whites and all kinds of stuff. So they asked Kyrie Irving, how did you build disrespected? And, of course, like he always does, no answer. Cut number 33. What did you feel like the Nets did that was disrespectful to you? Uh, well, I think that's another uh, day it is? where I could really go into detail about it. I, I'm not the person to really speak on names and go to someone behind their back and, and yeah. try to leak stuff to the media. That's never been me. <laughs> uh, no, I've been an audience member watching people say things about me. Yeah. Um, that ultimately just fall off my shoulder. Uh, you don't care. Uh, really, uh, it's psychopath. That I, I'm grateful that I got to grow. I got to grow into uh, over the last year and a half, two years, uh, spending time away from the ba- basketball court, giving time to really appreciate life and the way. And um, I just know I need healthy boundaries, especially in this entertainment. <laughs> healthy business. boundaries. You hear this prick? With people's families, with their names. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm just not. I don't know, but this. I mean, I don't know who lies more. <laughs> Kyrie Irving or Joe Biden? I, it's, it's neck and neck. Says, Put a poll up today. Who lies more, Kyrie Irving or Joe Biden? He says it, then he goes, I don't want to get into I that. don't want to get into this, but I'll talk yeah. for 13 minutes about healthy boundaries. Right. And I'll make my 33 <laughs> Yeah. I'll say this. Dallas, uh, uh, Jason Kidd, you better start looking for a new home. Yeah. You're that's right. Unfortunately, yes. Jay Kidd's the coach. Yeah, that's right. But <laughs> for now. Yeah. Well, listen, you know, you know what may happen is... They've already got arguably the best player in the game, in Doncic. He's the best. So this one-two punch of Luka and Kyrie may end up winning a lot of games. Well, who gets the ball at the end? Well, you know, Kyrie's not awful with that. All right. All on right. The, listen, on the court, Kyrie Irving is a really yeah, good player. He is a great player. Just off the court, he's impossible. So they may end up winning a lot of games. They're the sixth seed right now. And then, contract talks. He's a free agent. That's where Mark Cuban... Good luck. He should stay a free agent. <laughs> yeah, forever. <laughs> we got a big 8 o'clock hour coming your way. More from Joe Biden's State of the Union last night. Noam Layden, he's going to check in at 825. And the great congressman, always a tremendous spot on a Wednesday morning at 840. My dear friend Peter King. Keep it right here. The 8 o'clock hour. Sitting friends in the morning. About to come your way. WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. The windows go against my cheek. I've got this fear inside of me. Hump Day Wednesday morning, hour number three of the number one Nielsen-rated news talk show in New York City and the self-proclaimed best talk show anywhere in America. That's me, that's us, sitting friends in the morning. I looked outside just now. 
these gorgeous studios at uh, John and Margo. But by the way, Margo, if you're listening, feel better. This poor lady can't catch a break. So uh, I love you, feel better. So I looked outside just now, these beautiful studios that John and Margo built, and I see the sun. And as I say that, Phil is closing the shades. Good because, well, the glare doesn't work on the videos, yeah. Yes. But uh, it's it. so nice seeing the sun, but it's, you know, it's, a, it's, it's deceiving because it's not 80 and sunny. I remember maybe September coming in here, Lewis, and complaining to you, enough with the heat. I've had enough. Give me the football season. Give me some cool weather. I've had enough. I've had enough of winter. Now, we've only really had three bad days. Christmas was so bad, my whole house exploded. And then last weekend sucked, too. It hasn't been awful, but I've had enough. I want to go to the beach, lay my fat ass on the sand, and get burnt to a crisp for eight hours, and then uh, take a shower, and go for dinner, and fall asleep at 7 o'clock at night. But That's all I want. It's not been a bad winter at all. Actually. I know, I know, I know. But it's, it's still not 80 and sunny. Right now in Miami, it's 80 and sunny. In Phoenix, it's 82 and sunny. It's not that here. I mean, it's sunny, but it's 40 degrees. Yeah, but there's no snow. I'd have to move. That's what I was going to say just now. You I can't move. move. You have to move. I'm no, never moving. Can't. No, I love it here. I love this job. Somebody was asking me a couple of days ago, they're like, because I admitted on the air a couple of times already this week that I did love covering Super Bowls. Covered, I think, 17 or 18, I forget. Then I would go to the site for a week, maybe three days sometimes. We even covered one Super Bowl here, me and Bernie. And it was uh, three years ago when the Rams lost to Tom Brady and the Patriots in Atlanta. And it was me and Bernie and I think Dave Labrosi was a program director and Chad Lopez. We had fun. Had two days on Radio Row. Bernie had no idea who those people were. Like Travis Kelsey, who was the star tenant for the Chiefs, sat down with us. He's like, who's this? But he knew Roger Staubach, obviously, and those types of folks. But I've covered like 17 or 18, and a lot of those with Scott Kaplan, one with Craig Carton, a couple uh, by myself. You know, I go into these cities. Uh, I've covered Super Bowls in Miami, New Orleans, Indianapolis, Los Angeles, San Diego, all over the country. I've also covered three Pro Bowls in Honolulu, which is a lot of fun, one year in Kona. And I love this week. Love it. And then, of course, the game comes up on Sunday, and the Eagles will play the Chiefs. Somebody asked me a couple of days ago, they're like, don't you miss it? I'm like, no. I really don't. You get this um, hump face dentist, moron Alan Sniffin, on that New York message board. <laughs> You're looking at that again? No, I know. I, they've actually, this is great, They about, a, about two months ago, I went on a crazy rant and started cursing out everybody on the board. So Snippin removed my power to post. Oh, so I don't go back anymore. I want to I look go back. at it. Right. So it's gone? No, I think uh, the post from like two months ago was there. I don't know. I oh. haven't gone back. Oh, oh. Let, let me explain to you idiots. Yeah, morons. That's uh, definitely yeah. how it's Your started. ratings are great, Sid, but you're talking to old people. What do I care? I don't <laughs> care if they're five, fifty, or 100. Just listen. <laughs> you don't get extra points for young people. Well, all you do is uh, sell to hospitals. Oh, really? I got a Botox girl on the show, you moron. I mean, I got all kinds of cool uh, modern-day stuff. But anyway, so he always makes this excuse, this argument, Sid's great, but he should be doing sports. No. Ask Bill O'Reilly. Ask some of the biggest political voices in this country who they enjoy going on with the most, and without any hesitation, 
any, they're going to say me. Not even close. Not Hannity. Even Rush, when he was alive, God rest his soul. They'll all say me with no hesitation. Can't be, I can't be sitting in a studio breaking down the Eagles' offensive line. I'm talking to Laura Trump. I'm talking to the mayor, Bill O'Reilly, hosting the number one show in New York City. What do you mean do sports? No, I don't miss it. I was hearing some of it the last couple of days. It is It's brutal. It's brutal. Look, 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 look. Mike and Chris made a lot of money, so I get it. Millions and millions of dollars. And I guess Craig does pretty well, so does Boomer. These are grown men, grown men sitting in a studio lamenting about some wide receiver or some quarterback. They got fentanyl killing Americans by the day, inflation through the roof. I got two kids I got to worry about. You think I give a rat's ass what Philadelphia Eagle offensive lineman has a hemorrhoid today? You think I care? Listen, fentanyl fentanyl is a big deal. I'll I'll give you that. I'll give you fentanyl, but listen, Mike and I discussed, like, you need a right tackle. You need a right tackle. Right. Yeah. I mean, Jalen Hurts is, no, no. is not going to uh, take that trophy I don't by know, himself. dog. Listen. He's pretty good. No. Uh, and listen, those two guys I'm putting to the side because they were so good. They but were. I don't miss Excellent. it. Excellent. Yes. Yes. So, like, last night, for example, my son Gabriel at dinner, we're having dinner at the Murray Hill Diner. You've heard of that place. And uh, he goes, so, Dad, are you going to watch LeBron tonight? I go, Gaby, Gaby, you know how we pay the bill? And my wife makes a very good living. I don't make it sound like I make all the money. I don't. She's a great lawyer, makes a good living. But you know how we pay most of the bills in this house? Is not me watching LeBron James. I have to watch the president. <laughs> and Gabriel goes, I swear to God, he goes, why? <laughs> I said, Gabe, right about now, I'm asking myself the same question. But I have to do it. That's my job. Watch I got to watch. Yes, I did. And uh, he said, but it sounds so boring, Dad. He said, yeah, you got it, Gabe. <laughs> but I said, Gabe, I got news for you. Watching LeBron James is boring. I mean, listen, I, I know it was pomp and circumstance. He went past Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. That's a big deal. Most points in the history of the NBA. Everybody went nuts. I get it. I get it. But to be honest, Lakers, Oklahoma City Thunder, February night, who cares? There's one person who cares go oh. oh phil i'm sorry he came running in he just that's hilarious he almost fell so himself. phil made the point during the update he's like well now that lebron james has passed kareem now you can make the point he's the greatest player ever and and i think you could have made that point before this based upon skill alone i i'd never take him over jordan because jordan had the heart of a, of a champion he wanted to kill you i think jordan is one and lebron is two my friend uh, Anthony Barbarisi checks in. He's a regular at uh, Portofino Tanning like me, my friend Raul. He goes, Kareem wasn't the best player of all time, neither was LeBron. He moved to different teams to win. That means nothing to me, Anthony. I hate that argument. So what? He should lose his whole career like Dan Marino? What does that mean? MJ Burt. Uh, I got to stop this. You, know. you, yeah. you, you got something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, listen, LeBron James, better player than Magic. Bird, all those guys. I understand LeBron James. Maybe if he had James Worthy, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Norm Nixon, Byron Scott, Michael Thompson. Maybe he would have stayed. Maybe if he had you know, uh, Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish, Danny Ainge, Dennis Johnson. Maybe he would have stayed. Oh my God, maybe Eddie Lee Wilkins. You know, maybe one of those guys. I'm not going to hold it against him that he's 4 for 10 in the NBA Finals. That's like saying Jim Kelly wasn't a great quarterback because he lost all four Super Bowls. I'm actually doing sports. Yeah, that's it. 
<laughs> Look hey, at Sid, me. First time, long time, Sid. Uh, thanks for calling in, buddy. How you doing today? I, I'm great. You know, I love the show. Uh, I, I thank love, you. I love thank the show. I mean, yeah. you, you really, you know, I, I got a couple of bones to pick with you, though. <laughs> yeah, um, sure. I mean, I I don't understand how you could put Rizzo uh, third <laughs> and not second. I, I'm not, no. I'm not, I'm not following you. You know, otherwise the show is just great. I well, mean, thank you. It's but great I got to switch gears. I'm sorry, uh, Mr. Caller, and okay. thank you for listening. I got to move the discussion from Anthony Rizzo and the Yankees to Joe Biden. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Okay, I'll call you. I'll call you in five minutes. You want to get uh, Biden's first lie of the night last night? It came early, like Lubo often does. Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, wait a I, second. I got three of Hold them. on now. I got another bone to pick with you. <laughs> Speaking of bones, <laughs> this was uh, early on when he went after my friend Donald Trump. After uh, Lara Trump was just on about 30 minutes ago, this is uh, Joe Biden cut number two, talking about how when he took over, the economy was reeling. Two years ago, the economy was reeling. I stand here tonight after we've created, with the help of many people in this room, 12 million new jobs. More jobs created in two years than any president's created in four years because of you all. I can't even talk. <laughs> yeah, let's keep going. This is um. Oh, this is good. Joe Biden. This is a uh, cut number four. He excuse me. He defines America in one word. Cut number four. When world leaders ask me to define America, and they do believe it or not, yeah. <laughs> so I can define it in one word, and I mean this: yeah. possibilities. Oh, we don't think anything is beyond our capacity. Right. Everything is a possibility. Mm -hmm. You know, we're often told. That Democrats and Republicans can't work together. They can't. But over the past two years, we proved the cynics and naysayers wrong. Not really. Yes, we disagreed plenty. Yeah. And yes, there were times when Democrats went alone. Mm -hmm. But time and again, Democrats and Republicans came together. Not true. Came together to defend a stronger and safer Europe. Mm. <laughs> came together to pass one in a, gen one in a generation. Once in a generation. Oh, to you want to start that over again? I, uh, yeah. So then uh, inflation comes up, of course, and everything that goes wrong in this country. Now we've got two built-in excuses, but this imbecile goes to right away. The pandemic, which has been over forever. Yes, Ron and Santa and Putin. Why do we have inflation? Russia. Joe Biden, cut number seven. Inflation has been a global problem because the pandemic disrupted our oh, supply God. chain. Oh, Putin's unfair Putin. and brutal war in Ukraine disrupted ener energy supplies oh, yeah. as well as food supplies. What a mess. Blocking all that grain in Ukraine. Yeah. So the best part of the night, and Frank Morano hated this part, but I loved it, because I watched that witch Nancy Pelosi rip off Donald Trump's speech two years ago. That was treason. She should have been put in prison for that. I mean that. So I don't care what the Republicans did last night. I don't care if Lauren Boebert and, and Marjorie Taylor Greene ran across the chamber naked and screaming. It wouldn't have bothered me just a little, not even a little. So when they booed Biden last night a couple of times, to me, it was erotic. It really was. So let's start. <laughs> I know. I know you think this is a little erotic. <laughs> so he talks about Trump's economic record, and he lies, and the Republicans boo him. This is cut number 12. The American deficit went up four years what? in a row because those record deficits, no president added more to the national debt in any four years than my predecessor. Right. That's when you use the pandemic as an excuse, you moron. percent of the entire national debt that took over 200 years to accumulate 
was added by just one administration alone, the last one. Uh-huh. Well, they're the facts. Check it out. Yeah, you check it out, Jack. Yeah. Check it out. Yeah, check this out. What? Uh, in this one, <laughs> here comes another whopper from Joe Biden. He says Republicans want Social Security and Medicare to go away. And we know that's not true. There's one Texas congressman who brought that up, passing. Of course, Republicans don't want that. Once again, booze from the good team, Joe Biden, cut number 13. Some of my Republican friends want to take the economy hostage. I get it. Unless I agree to their economic plans. What? What? All of you at home should know what those plans are. (laughs) Instead of making the wealthy pay their fair share, some Republicans... Some Republicans want Medicare and Social Security to sunset. I'm not saying it's a majority. There we go. There we go. Yeah. Let me give you anybody who doubts it. There we go. Contact okay. my office. Yeah, I will. Call them. I'll give you a copy. I'll give you a copy of the proposal. Yeah. That means Congress doesn't vote. Huh? I'm uh. glad to see you. I tell you, I enjoy conversion. Love you. You know, it means if... If Congress doesn't keep the programs the way they are, they'd go away. Other Republicans say, I'm not saying it's a majority of you. I don't even think it's even a significant. <laughs> but it's being proposed by individuals. Yeah, shut up. I'm not. Enough of this. So uh, finally, this. after this 73 minutes, as Lara Trump pointed out to me about 35 minutes ago, was over. Thank God. Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the governor of the great state of Arkansas, Mike Huckabee's daughter, she provided the rebuttal. And she talked about a president surrendering. Cut number 29. You and I were put on this earth for such a time as this to charge boldly ahead. I'll be the first to admit President Biden and I don't have a lot in common. I'm for freedom. He's for government control. At 40, I'm the youngest governor in the country. And at 80, He's the oldest president in American history. I'm the first woman to lead my state. And he's the first man to surrender his presidency to a woke mob that can't even tell you what a woman is. In the radical left's America, Washington taxes you and lights your hard-earned money on fire. But you get crushed with high gas prices, empty grocery shelves, and our children are taught to hate one another on account of their race, but not to love one another or our great country. Whether Joe Biden believes this madness or is simply too weak to resist it, his administration has been completely hijacked by the radical left. God, I love her. Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Let me quote this group and this song, baby. It's you. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. I love this song, Madonna Holiday. Actually, uh, my wife's friend Michelle was asking for tickets to see Madonna. She comes into town, I guess, in August. And uh, I, I actually pointed out yesterday. By the way, Peter King is coming up next. Former FDNY Commissioner Daniel Nigro, 925. Tomorrow, big show. Bill O'Reilly, Judge Napolitano, Mike Brancessa. Friday, big show, Joe Tacopina, Liz Pipko in studio, Frank Catania, Danny A. Oh, I must mention Danny A. Uh, yesterday I found out that Vertical Entertainment purchased Gemini Lounge. That's the movie I shot last March back in Los Angeles. True story about that Brooklyn bar, Flatlands Avenue. And it's going to be an unbelievable movie. I mean, it looks amazing. Danny A., Jay Cannavale, Lucy Hale, Emil Hirsch. Ashley Green, Bo Deedle, Robert Davi, a host of others, purchased yesterday by Vertical Entertainment. That means it'll be distributed all over the world and in movie theaters all over the world, specifically all over this country, probably as early as May, with the screening coming up for us on Monday night. Very excited. Really excited. Danielle will be live in studio coming up on Friday. But Madonna showed up at the Grammys, and her face is distorted, puppy. She looks horrible, and I think she's, like, yelling at people who are pointing out, a hey, Madonna, baby, what happened to your face? Anyway, here's a gnome laden. I think he wants to talk about this. Yeah, yeah. so I, Sydney, I watched the uh, Grammys. I didn't watch the Grammys, but I went back and watched the part with Madonna because yeah. I wanted to see what everybody was complaining about. And, and, and uh, right or wrong, was that not really odd, her face? Her face was odd, but you know what's more interesting is they, it, all night long, they did very tight close-ups of all the artists. But when it came to Madonna, go back and watch, and none of them are tight close-ups. I mean, they you could see her, and you knew it was Madonna, though it didn't really look like the Madonna yeah, we yeah. remember. Yeah, but she they looked did, more like uh, man. Yeah, Eric Stoltz uh, part in that share movie. And do you think that Madonna Noem actually told them stay away from my face? Her handlers, uh, no two ways about it. Because if you watch the program on either side of it, her appearance, you'll see it's the the Grammys. It's tight close ups of the faces. You see everybody. Then with her, it's pulled back uh, from a pretty good distance, but you could still see what's going on. But she is, uh, she's raging mad this morning. She went on to her Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and, uh, she's firing back. She's seen all the memes that have been made about her and she calls it ageism, uh, misogyny. Uh, but the fact of the matter is that she's had enormous amount of work done on her face. I mean, you look at her and you sort of wonder, what would she look like today if she hadn't really done any work on her face? Would we still be making fun of her? Or- I mean, I mean, look, you got to get something done. Go to Jen, Dolce Aesthetics. I mean this. Get some Botox. Get some filler. couple lip injections. But when you start to go crazy with the real plastic surgery 
end up like Mickey Rourke. I mean, not everybody. There are some people that you see in TV and movies as 70 years old. They look great. Hers was botched. In fact, there's a TV show called Botched. The uh, the doctor is actually one of the husbands on uh, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Orange County, I forget which one. But hers was clearly botched. I understand you want to look good. She actually told her friends, I want to look like the same girl when I taped uh, what's the like a virgin? Like, oh yeah, well come yeah. on. I mean, she was she like twenty one when she did like a virgin. I know. Well, what gets into your head to want to do that? You is know it what just... it is? I can tell you because I have okay. friends who've done this who okay. do the surgery, and the problem is they're looking at their face every single day, right? So they're yeah. noticing things they don't like. So they continue to get yeah. these procedures, and if then if you don't see them, and I've had this happen, I showed up at a party over the weekend, and there was yeah. this woman there who had had obviously a lot of procedures, and it was so jarring to <laughs> yeah. me. I was like, whoa, what happened? But to yeah. her, she probably looks good right yeah. and i think that's the case with madonna like if you're looking at your face in the mirror every day you always find what's wrong and if you keep shooting up it starts to look really yeah. bizarre i mean these housewives get this done like dolores for example are like five faces it's like stop already stop yeah, you're, and, fine. And, you're and fine you're fine madonna's been making videos for like 40 years too so yeah. she sees everything about herself well, nobody cares i know nobody's well, paying that much attention but i think it's more jarring when you do a, a surgery thing right well away. when it looks I bad mean, if it looks good it's fine okay well that means you don't you didn't do such a drastic thing that's yeah. fine you just yeah. do, like you said fix something I get a little bit, right like i do but small little her, things yeah but everybody's talking about it now because oh my god is that madonna because you don't even know it's her. Well, she looks distorted. She, yeah, she looks terrible. does. Yeah. And, you, and she can afford the best people in the business. Yeah, so right. that's, you know. Oh, the, so, so could Mickey Rourke when he started going south. Yes, yeah, so where, her doctor should say, okay, enough already, right? You a responsible think, well, doctor you know, would say enough. It's funny you say that. I went to see a guy named Mark Karolak. Right. He is one of the most famous plastic surgeon doctors in the world. He's in New Jersey. He does all the housewives, all these shows. And I have this little thing on my neck, my Adam's apple, you know. Right, let me see. Can you see it? Long story I, I short. I see it, actually. So yeah. I go in, he starts taking pictures. Every angle. Every angle. I must have taken 50 pictures. And then you sit down in his office. Danielle came to. You sit down in his office, and he gives you his recommendation. This was the greatest day of my life. Talking about doctors. Because they'll do the certain they want the money. He sits me down. He goes, Sid, you work out? I go, yeah. He goes, whatever you've done, your face, the structure of your face has actually fallen into place. And believe it or not, at the age of 55, you've got the perfect facial structure, a very good jawline. And to be honest, he said, I can take 50 grand right now. I could take 50 grand right now. He said, you don't need it. I said, wow, Mark Carolak, wow. I could I could take, and I was ready to pay him. Yeah. 50 grand right now. You don't need it. You look great. Wow. But most doctors will be like, Give me a hundred thousand. You look terrible. Yeah. You look terrible. Yeah. Right. Well, they should have taken the money and then told you that. Like five minutes later. <laughs> yeah. Says, I, I, you don't need to do it. Perfect. Well, well right. you've never done anything cosmetic at all, right, Noam? No, but maybe you, you don't need tell. it. You're handsome. You look good. Oh, all right, thank you. Lou looks good too. Bernie always looked good. He's got he had that Irish skin, but you know me, I'm a little more. Um, what's what I'm looking for? Um, um, what, okay. What, <laughs> wait, saying what? What have you done? You've done what? I've done Botox. Where though? Where'd you do the Botox? Oh, oh my eyes, my forehead, a lot in my forehead. Right. I don't like those creases in the forehead. Right, like I have right now. Like, right, you have those. Okay, you can afford yeah. to get a little Botox, and I've right. gotten fillers which add some plumpness. To I the see cheeks that. Yeah, yeah. Because your bone starts <laughs> to. 
I'm in movies, Lewis. You understand? I'm in movies. I'm just, you safe, get it? It's safe to say I'm never going to use the word plumpness when I'm talking. Plumpness? I'm, I'm, hopefully. What? It gets rid of the plumpness? Yeah. yeah, well, no, no, no. It gives you plumpness. Oh. Because you're, when you get older, the bone starts to, to just go away. Okay. And you lose some contour on your face. So they add the filler, and you're, you're nice and full, you know. No, well, well, thank God, because the show is going to get much better since you've done that. It wouldn't be, yeah. I don't even know what it's been. All I know is... If that explains why you're so handsome, great. That's why I'm so handsome, yes. I'm just happy you said I'm so handsome. I love you. Right. One time, I went to a lousy Botox doctor, and I came in the next day with two black eyes. I swear to God, Bernie and Jill were here, and they're like... What did you say to Danielle last night? I'm like, no, that's my Botox. Wow. But the the one I've got now, Jen Dolce Aesthetics, she advertised. She's so good. I've never I never bruise nothing. So if you ever want to do something like that, go huh. for it. But Madonna clearly made a mistake. Yeah. Uh, excellent job, Noam. It's always excellent job. We got to get to uh, Peter King. Sit in friends in the morning. Seventy-seven WABC. This um, councilwoman in New Jersey, this lady, got uh, murdered, blown away. And no one seems to have any idea why that was the case. That's kind of a crazy story. It is uh, 8.45 on your Wednesday morning. We put this time aside every week for the great congressman. I always say the two best politicians, New Yorkers, in my lifetime, Ed Koch, a distant third, Rudy Giuliani and Peter King. King spent the better part of four decades making Long Island great went on to serve Homeland Security, and now is a major, I mean major, superstar on this station, appearing on this show and my good buddy John Katsimatidi's show. Here he is, the real king, not King James, Peter King. <laughs> good morning, sir. Yeah, that sounded great, especially after listening to all that nonsense about your Botox. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm on hold. Is that okay? But these guys put me on hold, and I have to listen to all this, the ins and outs of your folks. I know, oh, I know, I know. Well, I'm trying to keep up with Madonna, uh, Peter. It's not very easy. <laughs> not easy. I, I had the chance to uh, meet your son this week on the streets of New York City. Sean, great kid. That was uh, that was awesome. He recognized me. That was actually uh, very, very cool. But I, I got a, a message from somebody, and they said, you got to ask your friend Peter King this. And whenever I get that lately, Peter, I get nervous because people uh, like to take shots at you and I. And they go, listen, all this stuff about Santos. Last night, Mitt Romney was like, get out of here. You don't belong here. Biden refused right. to shake his hand. He's like, all this stuff. You know whose fault it is? Joe Cairo. How does Joe Cairo not bet this guy and let this guy run twice? And this guy was going nuts on your friend and mine. I love this guy, Joe Cairo. What do you think about that? Well, first of all, thanks for saying hello to my son. He really enjoyed talking to you, and he sent me the photo right away. I was actually down in Washington with Joe Cotto, yes. and I got the uh, yes. yeah, the yeah. text picture uh, with you. I, I, I said, 
Sean, I've warned you all your life not to hang out with guys like this. <laughs> and then he, uh, you're right on Park Avenue. It's terrible. He's, he's, by the way, he's a very, very, he's a very nice kid. And, uh, have I met Aaron yet, your daughter? No, you haven't. I haven't. She's out of North Carolina, you know. She, yeah. was just, she was big in politics on Long Island. Now yep. she's out of North Carolina. Yep. She's up here a lot. She's back and forth. I'll, I'll make a point for you to meet her. She's, uh, yeah, she's, I'm dying to meet her. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So, anyway, as far as Joe Cairo, Joe Cairo, first of all, is the, and I'm not just saying this, but he's a friend. He's the best Republican leader in the country. In the last election, uh, what he did to win congressional seats, for instance, Anthony D'Esposito, 75,000 more Democrats. Anthony was elected to Congress. We took back three state Senate seats. There's almost 100,000 more Democrats than Republicans in Nassau County. We zone and carry the county by over 50,000. And, of course, the last year, or the year before that, won back county executive, district attorney, uh, kept the county legislature, won the city of Glen Cove. We can go on and on. Now, as far as Santos, Santos comes out of uh, Queens. He ran in uh, 2020 because nobody else wanted to run. It was a Democratic seat, and uh, he was basically, uh, we thought, vetted by, by Queens County. Uh, he ran against Tom Swazi. Democrats vetted him. You always vet someone you're running against them. They didn't find any of this. And then this time around, the seat was still overly Democratic. And uh, Santos asked for the nomination. Again, nothing had come up on him. Nothing by the uh, uh, Republican National Committee or the Democratic National Committee or Swazi or uh, Robert Zimmerman. And so he gets the nomination. Then the last minute, the Court of Appeals changed the uh, district and made it much more Republican. And suddenly, Santos is there. He had the nomination, and he won. But to say, listen, the reality is Joe Cairo is managing so many campaigns the last time around, and you have a guy, Santos. I mean, I, I've run for office, I don't know how many times, 17, 18, 19 times altogether. No one's ever asked to see my college degree, my law degree. Right. I'm, a, I'm a lawyer, but nobody's ever asked for my you know, bar admission card or anything like that. There's certain things that you think it's going to come out over the years, and it didn't. Obviously, I can tell you right now, Candidates are being vetted much more than before. But of all the races last year, George Santos was an afterthought. And listen, it's, uh, you have to assume responsibility, but to somehow think that we knew about or anyone knew about Santos is wrong. If anyone should have known, it should have been the Democrats. Right. And Zimmerman. Tuesday, which is a great investigative newspaper, yep. fortunately or unfortunately, and they found nothing. Nothing. No, Zimmerman should have been the one to find that. By the way, talking about colleges, when I met Sean, your son, I said to him, I said, you know how I know you're really Peter King's son? He was wearing a Notre Dame hat. And <laughs> and uh, your friend, Pat Ryder, I want to send a shout-out to Pat. He's doing me a big favor later on today. One of the great police chiefs in this country, right there in Nassau County, the great uh, Pat Ryder. Now, Pat is a great commissioner. He's been a great cop. He's a cop's cop. And, uh, you, again, you can't ask for a better guy than Pat Ryder. Agreed. I like everybody there. I like Bruce Blakeman. I helped him get uh, elected, obviously. So did you. So did John. I like uh, certainly Ann Donnelly. I mean, Nassau County has done a really, really good job. I don't know much about Suffolk County. In fact, I think Danielle's actually in court today in Suffolk County. Don't know much about uh, the big leaders there. Do they uh, hold up against Nassau, Suffolk? Yeah, Jesse, yeah actually, uh, Jesse Garcia is a very good leader. In fact, he does a... Uh the show with uh, with the judge, with Judge Weinberg on ABC. Yeah. It's, it's for the uh, East End of Long Island. No, Jesse's a very good leader. I think he'd be a good choice for state chairman. Uh, he had also good results in Suffolk. In fact, good, the good thing is he and Joe Cairo work so closely together. Some of the districts overlap between Nassau and Suffolk County, and there's no rivalry, there's no jealousy. 
They really are solid, solid, old-time leaders, but using modern techniques. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things, I want to go back to the State of the Union from last night, Peter, that the president uh, stayed away from, and we knew he was going to, we were warned about it, believe it or not, earlier in the day, was the Chinese spy balloon. They told us hours before the speech last night he wasn't going to talk about it. So when you were serving Homeland Security, I would imagine that's a meeting that the president, whether it's Biden or Trump, whoever it was, would have a meeting with when he came to the Chinese spy balloon. So two questions here. A, would you be involved in those meetings if there was a balloon when you were still in office? And secondly, how terrible a job did Joe Biden and all of those folks do with that spy balloon? Well, being on the Homeland Security Committee and also the Intelligence Committee, I would have had access, if not the first day, certainly the second or third day. Usually they brief the chairman and ranking members of the Intelligence Committee first and then the other members right after. But I would have certainly learned an awful lot by now. There's no doubt about it. As far as what he did, to me, there's so many unanswered questions. I mean, if they knew this thing was coming toward the United States, why didn't they knock it down when it was, when it was approaching Alaska or Canada before it hit the you know, continental United States? And then for him to say, well, I ordered them on Wednesday, but we waited until Saturday. Uh, I, I want to see all the thinking that went into that. And how did they know it was coming? Why didn't they do more to stop it? Did, you know, did we talk to Canada at all? Uh, they, had, they had time. Uh, again, if you're president and you have 10 minutes to know that you have time to do something, you know, did you discuss it with Trudeau? Uh, did they uh, plan what was going to happen? So I think there's so many questions here. And also, you know, why did China do it? Why did... Were they doing it to get intelligence, or are they doing it just to basically show the world that they're not intimidated by the United States? In either right. event, right. to me, it did not look good. But he should have definitely mentioned that the other night in the State of the Union, just like he should have mentioned much more about illegal immigration, which he didn't. We can go to the whole line of things he didn't mention, about all the migrants coming into New York, places like that. I mean, it's just, uh, to me, that, that, that speech was so detached from reality Basically, to be a good State of the Union speech, and Bill Clinton was good at this, he would put enough partisan stuff in there to keep his base happy. Then he would make a point of reaching out to Republicans. And actually, we had some good good years of cooperation. Newt Gingrich and Bill Clinton were polar opposites, but they were able to get things done. And we actually had a balanced budget when Clinton was president and Gingrich was Speaker of the House. Right. But there was no chance of that last yeah. night. No, I remember going back to Tip O'Neill and Ronald Reagan. Uh, those two guys uh, able to get along and... You know, look, I, I had Brian Kilmeade on earlier. He hated the speech, obviously, loved Sarah Sanders. I had Lara Trump on this show this morning, Donald Trump's daughter-in-law. She hated right. the speech. She actually liked Donald Trump's speech that he made on Truth Social. It's still up. It's a nice video where he told the truth. And you look back, and there was really nothing to like. But, but I will say this. I walked in this morning. You talk about bipartisan Democrats, Republicans. And I was talking to our mutual friend, Frank Morano. And he's like, you know, right. I gotta tell you, it was, it was nasty last night. You know, Lauren Bobert yelling and screaming, Marjorie Taylor Greene yelling and screaming, you're a liar, which uh, a lot of folks in the studio believe actually helped Joe Biden last night. And, and me, I'm like, wait a second. Nancy Pelosi ripped up the speech two years ago. That was treason. And Frank's point was, okay, what does that mean? That makes it right. So he was more turned off by how Republicans reacted last night than what Biden said. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I wish they hadn't. I mean, I don't want Marjorie Taylor Greene to be the face of the Republican Party. You know, she satisfies a hardcore base. But if you want to win an election, you have to appeal to more independent people. And I'm not saying people who uh, surrender their principles. I'm saying people who want a certain degree of civility and having us standing up in the back row and yelling. I mean, I don't think that's going to win many votes in places like Nassau County or 
Suffolk County or Westchester County, and that's where you need the votes to, uh, you know, they're the swing votes. You're always going to get the hardcore Republican votes. I don't think she appeals so much behind, you know, beyond the hardcore. It's great if you want to gin up people and get them excited at a, some kind of a base rally. But there, when you have the president, who was basically, I thought, almost making a fool of himself, being so out of touch, slurring his words, uh, being wrong on the facts, and then to get that obscured by Budgie Taylor Green standing up in the back row and shouting. To me, it doesn't add much at all. Well, congratulations, but, Peter. After your long, illustrious Hall of Fame political and now radio career, you have now gotten Curtis Sliwa all excited because he said the same exact thing on this show at 7.05. And mind you, as you were saying it, he ran to the studio and started finger-pointing me like, you see, I told you. So congratulations, King. It's now you and Sliwa. How does that sound? Yeah, well, well I tell you, I'm, I'm a little confused right now because during the week I'm getting texts from Curtis saying he and I are at a war. There's going to be a war between us because we were having dinner in Vivolo 15 years ago with Vito Fisella, yeah. and I didn't want him to declare war on, uh, who was it, Marbury in the, on the restaurants. And, right. He actually, he actually blames, he, he, he says if you would have listened to him back then, you could have averted right. the Russia-Ukraine war. <laughs> yeah, all I know is, listen, all right, Curtis and I went to the same high school. I graduated. He did. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. What, 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 if, what if he was out there and, and uh, because he's such a good soul, opted not to graduate to protect New Yorkers on a daily basis? That's honorable, no? Yeah, actually, you know, all kidding aside, Curtis is a great guy. He's a, he's a great New Yorker. <laughs> and he could have easily graduated. What he did was he led a student revolt. And all he had to do was, like, apologize for it, and he wouldn't do it, so they would throw him out. Ah, he got the right Curtis. Are you sure it was him? <laughs> he let a student revolt. You can't make this well, he up. Did, yeah. Again, he was about 10 years behind me, but oh. it was, uh, yeah, that was the whole, it was like the last years. Of, it was a great school in Brooklyn. In fact, from, the, from my school, uh, high school window, I could see Ebbets Field. I could see him wow. down, which is even worse. Wait, so what high school is that? Brooklyn Prep, which is oh, now Medgar Evers, by the way. Right, Medgar Evers. College. Right. That whole facility was yep. uh, Brooklyn Prep, uh, at, you know, Jesuit High School. And, uh, you know, they, they, uh, John Dockery, the guy who played for the Jets. Jets, yeah, I mean, yeah. Joe Namath and John Dockery uh, were being great friends to this day, by the way. So, hey, uh, listen, there's nothing you can't talk about. Ebbett Field, Medgar Evers, John Dockery, Joe Biden, <laughs> Russia, Curtis oh, Lee. I mean, you are so good on this show, Peter. I can't thank you enough. I love you. Regards again to uh, your son, Sean. And thanks again. We'll do it again next week. Okay, great. Okay, thanks, Ed. You're the man. There he is, folks. Another great appearance by our dear friend, great New Yorker, Peter King. Bad news is, three hours in the books. Good news is, another hour to go. Keep it right here with me, C. 77 WABC. And informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Friends, I got another confession to make. I'm your fool. Everyone's got their chains to break.
got to send a shout-out to my friend Jeff and Sadie. They work at um, Wolfgang's. I'm going there like every night, spending a fortune. I mean, I don't know. Talked about this a couple of days this week, how people live in the city and uh, go out every night. It is. It's a lot of money. <laughs> a lot. Great place. Love it. In fact, I may take the mayor there tonight, Eric Adams. We are dining tonight, the two of us. Uh, but it's just so much money. You know, we go to um, Corrin's or something, or when we lived in the city, of course, on 104th and West End, we'd go to Gristidi's. We loved the Gristidi's on 103rd and West End. I, I was so happy to be back at Gristidi's a couple of nights ago on 40th and 2nd, but Danielle would buy a couple of pounds of chicken cutlets. Got to be pounded thin, got to be pounded thin, and uh, we're good to go. Three nights, I love chicken cutlets, love them. Thin, with uh, mashed potatoes, any type of vegetable, she makes a nice little salad. I love the gorgonzola cheese. And it was great. Now, I mean, I, I went yesterday. I actually posted this on my Instagram at Rosenberg.Sydney. It's still there. You can see it. So my son loves uh, Five Guy Burgers. Five Guys. And there's a Five Guys about two blocks away from my hotel. So Gabe is a very picky eater. I think his dyspraxia is uh, part of the reason why. And we would love for you folks to follow us, Spotlight Foundation for Dyspraxia DCD on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Spotlight Foundation for Dyspraxia and DCD. I'm so proud of my wife, Danielle. She's done a great job at this foundation, inspired by my son, who's just the most beautiful little boy God ever created. And he loves this uh, five guys. So, you know, I go I go from, I walk from, you know. They, they make a moth a good moth When I was a kid, I liked the moth like an ice cream. I go. So the receipt came out, and they call your number, and that's how you know your food is ready. You ready for this? You can see it on my Instagram. The number of my receipt yesterday, 77. Oh, no. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty cool, right? Yes. Did you save that's it? That's pretty cool. Well, I saved it, and I posted it, and guess what every response was? Forget about the number on the receipt. Am I seeing $9.19 for a cheeseburger? And then I look back, I go, oh, my God, I bought him a cheeseburger, not even fries. He doesn't like fries. Cheeseburger and a malted. And it cost me like 16 bucks. And I, I must have gotten 50 responses, and all they talked about was not the 77 number, was the price. And I'm like, it is. It's outrageous. Yeah. Well, you, where did you think you were eating? It's five guys. Where, where though? Uh, which five guys? Yeah. 34th and uh, Park. <laughs> yeah, okay. Or whatever, fine. Yes. Well, you think it's uh, more expensive than a Brooklyn five guys? Witness, I don't know. Your witness. Wait, uh, what are you saying that the five guys, they charge more in Manhattan than... I, I don't care about yes, that. Yes, they do. I, I don't, do. I don't care about that part. The part is, you're sitting in Midtown Manhattan, 34th I know, Street. but I, I want to get something cheap, because if I go to the diner, which is supposed to be cheap, and I love the Murray Hill Diner, that's 50 bucks, no matter what, eggs... You know, uh, chicken wrap, Greek salad, 50 bucks. No way around it. Nothing I can do. I, I go to, you know, the, the steak place, that's a nickel. Nothing I can do about it. I go to uh, Cafe Barulia, the Italian restaurant that me and Judge Napolitano both like. They're actually pretty good when it comes to pricing. But I'm getting murdered. I'm getting murdered. I'm saving $2,000 a month from the driver. Levi, who I happened to miss. He's a great guy. I miss Levi. And I would pay him 
upwards of 500 a week for one-way trips from Queens to the office. That's gone now. Now I'm taking the train. So I'm saving a fortune, right? Wrong. I figured out last night I'm spending more on food than the actual transportation, so I'm not taking home a penny more. Not a penny. But that's going to end soon. Well, well, yeah, eventually I'll go back home, and then i gotta, I got to spend 2000 again on Levi. Oh, no, but I thought you were moving. Oh, no, I'm going to Battery Park. And then you'll have a kitchen. We will have a kitchen. That's correct. Okay. Well, and she will an cook a couple of days a week. She will. Right. It's a big, spacious, two-bedroom, two-bath terrace looking at the Statue of Liberty on the water. Very nice place. Giuliani has a place like that, Andrew, you know. So, yeah, she'll be able to cook a couple of days a week. It'll be a little better. But the last six weeks, it has been, it's murder. Yeah, no kidding. Eat oh, my God. So, yeah, I'm like, I can't do it. I went for pizza last uh, two nights ago, literally. Still cost me $22. Yes. Four slices of pizza, one sun kiss that we shared, $22. Yep, any of the pizza, good pizza places, lower Manhattan. I'm not even sure it's all that good. It is good. It is good. Oh, it is but, good. But... Come on, man. <laughs> Come on. Hey, what, hey. Biden created 12 million jobs. Yeah. Why don't you get with it? Yeah, right. Get with it. Sure. Everything's fine. Yeah, it's great. Things are fine. 12 million jobs. The gas is going to go up again this summer. Of course so it what? is. So what? Yeah, you, you can't afford to, to go to the supermarket anymore. You can't go out to eat. It's it's. But, you know, I, I say that, and I said this a couple of days ago. Think of all the real genius economic folks we have on this show, even Ron and Santa. I know you can't stand him. He is a liberal, no matter what he says. He's the worst. He really is. I love him. He's a dear friend. He's the wor- Lately, he's been completely off his rocker. Completely. But him, Larry Kudlow, Monica, Crowley, all tell us recession's coming. Some think it'll be worse than others. It's coming. Where is it? I can't get a table. At these nice restaurants in New York City. It's not only Eric Adams and Anthony Carone every night. Where? I thought people are broke. Where is it? Try to go to an Italian restaurant on the Upper East Side tonight. You're not getting in. Where is this recession? The supermarket. Yeah. Have you seen what prices are of stuff? The drugstore. There's a lot. Things are expensive. When yeah. you buy oh my God! I got terrible news now. Consumers. Danielle says there's no terrace in the kitchen, and the kitchen's the size of a closet. <laughs> Good luck. My God. Bye, guys. She still she'll still cook because one thing about Danielle, I, I said this all the time. It's a 12-hour workday. She gets first of all, she gets up in like four in the morning to run because she's training for Tokyo. She's got the next marathon coming up in about three weeks. God bless her. 36 marathons and will complete the Abbott Award, the six majors. I mean, I, she's a real champ. She really is. She runs, comes back, makes breakfast for Gabriel, even in the hotel. Gets Gabe ready for school, goes to work, works 11 hours, and she'll come home and cook. And, you know, watch TV and have fun, all that stuff. So she will cook a couple of days a week, but still, it is... It is rough, man. I don't, I don't know how people do it. And this recession, when you see it, let me know. Do you see it in Rockaway, Lou? No. I I, uh, I I hear it from MJ. I go out and buy stuff, and I the supermarket is a killer. Where do you go? Kill, they're down. You one, go to stop and 116. Shop. Yeah. I've seen MJ there before. Yeah. She spends a lot of time in the fruit department. She rubs all those uh, fudgy fruits. Yeah, well, whatever turns around, fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
fine. I have no, no qualms. Yeah. But she Fuzzy, came back. She think. comes back from the drugstore. It's like I, I just paid $30 for a jar of uh, cream. Is that Dwayne Reed? Yeah, whatever the, whatever the heck it is. You know, what, see, you know who was the first? You know who built Six. that Dwayne Reed way back when? Corey Zelnick. Okay. The one on 116. But you're right. That's like 30 bucks. It, it, yeah. Like I know. For products like that. Just for your I hemorrhoid medication. And I'm going to need, yeah. And yeah. I'm going to need it again soon. I don't know how things are expensive. She came in the door yelling it. Things are so expensive. Like it's your fault. Well, yeah. I should have done something. <laughs> yes. I can't be low. Like it's my, right. What do you want from me? Looks at the bags of stuff that I bought, and you see she sees chips and six or seven <laughs> beers. And I, well, you I like uh, Takis? You know what they are, Takis? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you like those. those? I don't like them, but I know what they are. My son <laughs> loves them. I kind of like them. You don't like them? Well, I mean, I, I, um, when I was growing up in Mexico, they, they weren't, yeah. they weren't in the U.S. yet. Um, sure. I, I hated them, but now that they're, they're a thing, yeah. they're a thing here in the U.S. I tried them, and mm-hmm. I was like, you know what, I get it. You know, I noticed that uh, anytime I put you on, there's always a growing up in Mexico story. It's kind of like yeah. a Joe Biden. Joe Biden can't get through his speech without talking about when I was a kid, Jack. Me and my father, my father would say to me, Joey, like he called him Joey. Give me that thing break, Joey. Go down the block, mow that lady's lawn. It's going to come back to you in 50 years. When you have $13 million making $200,000 a year, it's all going to come back to you. When your son steals from the Ukraine and China. Joey, go mow that lady's lawn. It's not my fault talkies are Mexican. (laughs) (laughs) You you were the one that brought the note. No, I know I did. But but am I right about that, Louis? You you do that in honest day's work, and it's going to come back (laughs) 50-fold. So this guy goes up there for 80 minutes. And we've covered this thing up and down today between Brian Kilmeade, Lara Trump, who was great, and Peter King. We've covered this State of the Union, 80 minutes of lies, blaming Republicans, Medicare, they wanted to go away, not true. Social Security wanted to go away, not true. Blaming the pandemic, which is complete nonsense. Come on. Come on, Jack. So it took one man, one man, to write the lies. There's a reason why it's called Truth Social. His daughter-in-law was on this show today, Lara, but the President Donald Trump put up a video last night after that catastrophe that Joe Biden called the State of the Union, the Miss State of the Union, like the Post says today. And if you missed it, this was Donald Trump on his social media site last night telling the real truth about the State of the Union and the horrendous job this president is doing. Donald Trump, cut number 24. Here's the real State of the Union. Over the past two years under Biden, millions and millions of illegal aliens from 160 different countries have stormed across our southern border. Drug cartels are now raking in billions of dollars from smuggling poison to kill our people and to kill our children. Savage killers, rapists, and violent criminals are being released from jail to continue their crime wave, and under Biden, the murder rate has reached the highest in the history of our country. Biden and the radical Democrats have wasted trillions of dollars and caused the worst inflation in half a century. Real wages are down 21 months in a row. Gas prices have soared and are now going up much higher than even before. And the typical American family is paying $2,200 in increased energy and food costs each year. Joe Biden's weaponized Justice Department, and I'm a victim of it, is persecuting his political opponents. 
His administration is waging war on free speech. They're trying to indoctrinate and mutilate our children. He's leading us to the brink of World War III. And on top of all of that, he's the most corrupt president in American history, and it's not even close. But the good news is we are going to reverse every single crisis, calamity, and disaster that Joe Biden has created. Oh, my God. Can you get me a parliament, please, Lou? Please? Parliament, Marble Light, something. And that was more, so one good. One more thing and another thing. <laughs> yeah. It falls a lot. I don't know why these people were so upset last night, though. Didn't they realize that as all this was going on, LeBron James was breaking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's record? Isn't right. that a great story? Yes. That likable LeBron James. Oh, Jackie. Jackie's back this morning. Yeah, she's here. Yeah, always here. Uh, LeBron James, he did. He went into last night's action. Trailing the great Luau Cinder slash Kareem Abdul-Jabbar by just 35 points. And he scored 38 against the Oklahoma City Thunder and is now the all-time leading scorer in the history of the NBA. So after the game, he sat down with the crew. You know, the crew there, Ernie Johnson, Charles Barkley, Shaquille O'Neal, Kenny Smith. And Shaq asked him flat out, hey, you got the all-time record. Are you the best? player ever. Now, you know in the past, LeBron James has publicly said, I'm the best player in the world. Remember that? So Shaq asked him again last night. This would be Lewis LeBron James, cut number 36, Shaq and King James. Does this now make you the greatest player of all time? Are you now the GOAT? (laughs) Uh, you know, I'm gonna let everybody else, uh, you know, decide who that is or just talk about it. But it's great, it's great barbershop uh, talk. You know, oh no, me, I, I, I want to hear you say listen, it, big Bron, fella. Bron. Listen, big fella, I, I, I want to hear you say it, Bron, Bron. Me personally, say it, Bron. I, I, me personally, say it with you know, your I'm chest, always, Bron, I'm gonna Bron. take myself. I'm gonna take myself <laughs> against anybody that's ever played this game. Um, you know, but everyone's gonna have their favorite. Everyone's gonna, you know, decide who they who, who their favorite is. But um, I know what I've brought to the table. I know what I bring to the table every single night, and and what I can. What I can do out on this floor. So, um, you know, I always feel like I'm the best to ever play this game. But, you know, there's so many other great ones, and I'm happy to just be a part of their, uh, part of their journey. Michael Jordan or LeBron James? Where are you going, Lou? Michael Jordan. I've watched him yeah. destroy other teams. I oh, just, you watch LeBron James. Not, yeah, but it's just I'm just going on my eyes. I'm not going Me on too. points. I'm Me just, too. I, yeah. just, I never saw a guy. Would you put LeBron number two behind Michael? Yeah, probably. I guess yeah, so. Right? There's a few guys. It's hard to... No, top players are... Well, different positions. Yeah, it's hard. Very yeah. difficult. Don't make it so difficult, though. No, Let's have fun with it, okay? okay? Calm down. Okay. This is not the receipt for your drugs at Dwayne Reed. Okay. Oh. <laughs> can, you, can I show that to you in a little bit? I'd rather not see it. No, no. I'm still holding on to my five guys receipt. Oh, okay. This is the Foo Fighters Best of You. Big controversy now surrounding the FDNY here in New York. Their new commissioner, Laura Kavanaugh, even prompted the mayor, Eric Adams, to speak last night. We've got a huge guest coming up next. The former FDNY commissioner for many, many, many years, dating all the way back to 9-11, Daniel Nigro, on the latest with the FDNY, is coming up. Next. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC.
Hero by Foreigner 928 on your hump day Wednesday morning. Got to know Daniel Nigro pretty good over the last year or so, and I love him. This guy was the FDNY commissioner for a long time, was really pressed into service in a big way back on 9-11, and uh, really is the epitome of what firefighters are all about, service. My next-door neighbor back in Rockaway, Billy Felton, is a great fireman, great fireman. Uh, so lately it has not gone well for this department. Lately, the last couple of days under their new commissioner, Laura Kavanaugh. In fact, Daniel was with his son-in-law yesterday. I'll tell you about it at a promotion ceremony and the booze came raining down like Republicans and Joe Biden last night. Here he is, the very brave and tremendous New Yorker, former FDNY commissioner, my friend Daniel Nigro. Good morning, Danny. How are you? Good morning, my friend. How are you, Sid? I'm great. First of all, congratulations, a hearty congratulations to your son-in-law being promoted yesterday, Deputy Chief. That is not a small thing. That's a big deal. So let's start right there. How proud were you yesterday? Uh, he's a he's really a great firefighter, fire officer. He's beloved by his by the members that have worked with him and for him. And uh, it is a great achievement to reach that rank of Deputy Chief. It's the last promotion exam uh, in the fire department cycle from lieutenant captain battalion chief and now deputy chief and uh, he lives right across the street from me i see him every day and uh, his children were so proud yesterday and it it was despite everything going on it was it was a, a great day for those people being promoted well i'm happy for you and your family but you did just say dan despite What's going on? And, and, and Kavanaugh, who replaced you, you retired after an amazing run. Uh, Laura Kavanaugh replaced you. Seemed like most of the folks liked her. I will tell you, I had private conversations, which are now not private, with firefighters who aren't thrilled with her. And now they're really going after her. She demoted a bunch of folks. We'll get to the specifics of what she did a couple of days ago. But for her to be at this service with you and your son-in-law yesterday and get booed, a little embarrassing, or what were your thoughts? Uh, it, it was uncomfortable. You know, the members are never at a loss for expressing themselves um, loudly, uh, and they did that yesterday. Um, they're mercurial. You know, things can change uh, rather quickly, uh, attitudes, depending on uh, the way the wind is blowing in the department. <laughs> I wasn't shocked, but um, I, I think the important part is, uh, the health of the department, and how can we uh, how can we make this better? You know, how, how do we address the issue and uh, and move on so the department is back to uh, running smoothly? Yeah, I don't want to get to that and exactly what happened two days ago, but I have to tell you, Dan, that John Hodgins, when he gets up there, and of course a very decorated FDNY chief of department, John, you know John, I'm sure, for many 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 years. When he gets up there and he gets this sustained applause, 
This is like a middle finger, basically, to Kavanaugh. That's what that was yesterday. So even that, I would imagine, for a guy I'm sure you like very much, even that had to be uncomfortable. Yeah, it, it is. You know, I, the way I feel, I like all of the players here. You know, Laura's a friend. Jack Hodgins, John Esposito are, you know, amazingly talented chiefs, good men. Um, I, I could never say a bad word about them. I think... You know, it's unfortunate that it got to this point where people are um, on opposing sides here. And I think, again, the public doesn't have to worry. You know, all the men and women in the department that are are staffing our fire engines and fire trucks and our our ambulances are responding this morning and will respond as they have for 158 years. That's not a problem. I, I think what we need to do is, is heal the department now. We need these people at the top to get together and say, yeah. hey, what what caused this and how do we mm. how do we fix it? Right. You know, how do we back to work? We need we need you know, understand Jack Hodgins and John Esposito are still in their positions. You know, they've submitted the letter, but they're still chief of department and chief of operations and they will respond to fires as they have and, and do what they have to do. And I think we just need, you know, Laura and, and Jack and, and John to get together and say, uh, you know, this was a this was a bad situation. Can we can we fix it? Um, you know, I'm not in a position to uh, uh, to mediate this, but that's what I would encourage. If you were still commissioner and this is not a shot at Laura, not a shot at Laura at all. All right. But if you were commissioner, Dan Nigro, the odds of this happening slim to none. Well, I, you know, I had my ups and downs as commissioner. Sometimes, you know, I, I had, I was chief of operations. I was chief of department, you know, and I was commissioner. I know all of these roles very well. And sometimes the commissioner has to make decisions. You know, you have a, a path that you want to follow. And maybe, you know, some people on your staff don't see it the way you do. The staff chief positions are appointed. You know, they're at the pleasure of the fire commissioner. And, um, Sometimes you have to make changes. So that part, and I, I really don't think Jack uh, Hodgins or John Esposito um, took a stand on that, the commissioner's right to do these things. I think it was uh, they felt they didn't have the input they should have had. And, yeah. and I, I feel perhaps, you know, calmer heads can prevail and, and this can be. Yeah, this can be fixed. I hope it can. You know, yeah, and, and I know I, that they were mad. They were kind of left out of the discussions. Now, for folks that don't know what happened here, the new FDNY commissioner who replaced the man on the phone right now, my friend Dan Nigro, Laura Cavanaugh, she says her contention is, "I'm tired of it. I don't want to hear about more money, nicer cars. Enough already." I mean, I don't know if these numbers are ever real accurate, Dan, because police numbers aren't always accurate. Biden's numbers last night were not close to being accurate. But I've heard that the fire deaths are up this year. And she's like, wait a second. I'm not going to reward these people when the numbers are up. I think that's her contention. And that's why she started demoting people. Is that what you've heard? No, I think I, I'm not sure what the numbers are. I think the, the three people that were demoted, whatever the, you know, the reasons are, I, I think it goes probably goes back a little while. And uh, I, I certainly can't fault her for that because that is the right of the commissioner to um, direct the department as she sees fit based on, you know, the mayor hired her to uh, um, to move forward, whatever the mayor's agenda may be. And um, 
You know, she's not their union president. When you're the commissioner, you're, you answer to the membership and you answer to the more than 8 million people that live here. So you have a dual role. Um, I think Laura, and I, I don't think, I know Laura cares deeply about the department. There's no doubt about that. Um, so I do believe, maybe I'm too much of an optimist, that um, we can get on the right track again and, and move forward. Uh, I would like to see uh, Chief Hodgins and Chief Esposito continue in their position because they, um, they're very good at what they do and um, things move forward. So, you know, I, I understand the frustration involved on both sides. It can get... Um, it can get heated, and this is, you know, unusual that it reached this level. But I was going to say, this this doesn't happen often. It doesn't happen like when you were commissioner 20-something years, getting back to 9-11. Maybe this happened. Did you have to demote folks? Was there a time when – I know people get angry with you, but – You have to move people around. They're not happy with uh, with these moves at all. Um, maybe they choose to retire if, if you are, are moving them because you don't see them as being the right person for uh, the position that they're in. Uh, you know, like I say, I go back uh, more than 53 years now in the department. It's been, a, you know, it's been my second family and part of my life. Uh, things happen over the course of, of time that appear unsolvable. You know, this disagreements between uh, management and, uh, and the unions or the chiefs and the commissioner and um, they can they can be a time of healing, and I hope they will be. Well, two more. I'll let you run. This is a fascinating conversation, and I know this is difficult for you, Dan, because you know all the players, and you don't want to upset anybody. I get it, but you're doing a really good job of explaining this. Is there could there be a winner here? In other words, uh, could the could it get to the point where Laura, Laura Kavanaugh goes enough of this? I'm not doing it, and uh, all these guys really make her life so miserable that she wants out, is that a possibility? Or do you think, whether it's the mayor, he actually appointed her, getting involved with somebody else, that they have to figure this out? Is there any way that the mutiny can possibly win? Well, I, I, the only way is, you know, if the mayor would didn't support uh, the commissioner, but I'm sure he does. And, you know, she's a, she's a very strong he, he actually person. did. He actually did, Dan, for what it's worth, come out yesterday and publicly support her, yes. Yeah, and, and, you know, she's certainly not a, a weak person. She wouldn't be in the position she's in. She wouldn't be um, a fire commissioner after working for the department, you know, for eight years and and, um, and moving up the ladder, as she did on the civilian side. And um, I think the winner has to be the members of the department and the people of the city. Um, and I think the parties involved here need to see that um, uh, they can't win or lose. They can only cause the the uh, department to win and the city to win by trying to um, reconcile their differences and get back to work. All right, last one. This is a crazy scenario, but I like doing stuff like this, Dan. That's why I think you like this show. Laura decides I've had enough. I'm done. And they need somebody to run the department. Until they bring in the next person. Would Dan Nigro put the uniform on one more time? <laughs> I, I don't think that's uh, – the likelihood of that is uh, somewhere between slim and none. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I'm dedicated to the department, and I would always – you know, I, I would do 
whatever I, I had to do, but I, I really would like to see uh, Laura Kavanaugh continue as commissioner and, and these uh, chiefs continue in their positions and, um, and the department benefit from the expertise of all three of them in their particular areas. So uh, let's hope for the best. I agree. Once again, hey, Dan, congratulations on the promotion for your son-in-law, your family. It was a great day yesterday for the Nigros and for New York. It really was. And I'm with you. I hope that Kavanaugh, the mayor, and these other fine gentlemen who you mentioned work this thing out because uh, we need you guys to be at your best every day, which you guys certainly are. Dan Nigro, I love you, man. Thank you so much. Boy, now it's time for Sid's Take. Sid's Take, sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. That's right. Sid's Take, sponsored by Peerless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water, Heater, water Heaters. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com and PavilionTankless.com for a dealer near you. They are America's best-built boilers. Here we have JR from Brooklyn joining us in a new uh, Wednesday edition of Sid's Take. This one's called... Uh, which was first Wednesday? Because, uh, to be frank, I don't like Witchy Wednesday. No one did. Stupid. Good call. Uh, so, JR from Brooklyn, how are you, JR? I'm doing well. Don't sell yourself short on the name of the game either. Okay, well, <laughs> thanks. I, I had to come, come up with something with a W, so I, I got which was first. Three words, but not really that catchy. It doesn't roll off the tongue, but it's more fun. Uh, so, basically, what we're going to be doing today is I'm going to name two events, and you have to come up, uh, you have to figure out which one happened first, all right? Very good. Okay, let's start out with number one, as Lou loves to hear that. We'll start with one? We're going to start with one this oh, time. Okay. All right. Question one. Sid Rosenberg's first day in Imus in the morning or the day Macedonia Phil was born? It's me. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to say number one. To be quite honest, I don't even know when Sid started his first day. I think it was in 2000. I was born in 97, so uh, that was incorrect. I'm older than Sid's well, New we, York radio career. We, we better hope Not got by that much, pal. <laughs> Not by much. I'm still a youngin'. All right, number two, FDR, which stands for Franklin, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, took office as president for the first time, or Frank Sinatra released his first single, hit single, Polka Dots and Moonbeams. Uh, F- FDR. Very good. That was seven years prior in 1933. On to number three. The Beatles released their debut album, Please Please Me, or JFK, which stands for John F. Kennedy, was assassinated. Um, That's going to be the Beatles. Very good. That happened six months before. And I'm assuming it was close. I'm assuming they were unrelated. On to number four. Yeah, let's hope so. <laughs> it was John. John Lennon was holding the other gun. Oh, no. Number good, good one, Phil. Thanks. Number four. Sliced bread was invented, or Queen Elizabeth II was born. Um, I'm going to go with Queen Elizabeth. Very good. Queen Elizabeth is older than sp- sliced bread by two whole years. I know my bread, Phil. <laughs> I'm glad you do. Uh, on to number five, the final question here. How many do you have? What, three? I, think, I wasn't keeping track. Three, three okay. out of four so far. That number's way higher than I could count. Uh, number five here, 
Uh, Neil Armstrong walked on the moon, or the New York Mets won their first World Series. Um, I think that's going to be Sugar. That's going to be Armstrong. Yeah, it was the fourth. If they won, in, they won in the fourth. Exactly. Very good, Jr. Uh, sits back in here, so he's going to do the whole thing. Um, you got to yell. That's for sure. I, I probably. Sid, how you doing? You're Don't okay? ask me any stupid questions. Okay. I'm not in the mood for that right so now, okay? We're God, doing, how am I doing? We're, okay, I'm never going to ask you that again. I'm doing okay, thanks. How about you? Uh, I could be better if you didn't yell at me. <laughs> so we're yeah. doing... Well, look, can I tell you uh-huh. what a great job you're doing this week? Oh, thank you. Justin's not here, for people that don't know. So, And Diego's been a great help. Diego, congratulations. You were great. Thank but you. my man, Macedonia Phil, has literally, especially this morning, Diego, has literally taken on the work of like three people oh, and done it. an amazing job. So thank you for that. He's but like, the, thank you. The work of eight who's. No, you're, you've been great. <laughs> well, I literally t- took on the work of one person, which is Justin Ellie. Well, it's a lot. Well, now you see what Ellie yeah. goes through. Now, what do you want to ask me? And, he, and he didn't have someone like you to deal with. Right. That's right. So, right, so like, I'm a demerit. Okay. You're right. I'm sorry. What do you want to ask me? Nothing. Oh, okay. I want to play the game. How many well, did you get right? He got uh, four. All right, four we're, we're doing which is which was first Wednesday. I like this. I gave you two events, and you yep. have to figure out which one was first. All okay, right. starting with number one, Sid Rosenberg's first day on I Miss in the Morning, or the day Macedonia Phil was born. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, I started with I Miss. It was two thousand. Thank God. So uh, <laughs> okay. what came first was the day you were born. Spectacular. Very good. To be honest, I wasn't entirely sure. I thought you were, you started around 2000. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, it's enough time. I too. left W. I got. I, they asked me to leave. W went to Imus in 2000. Lasted till 2005 and got fired again. All right, number two. Phil was laughing the entire. Oh no, he was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, what a mess. Uh, number two, FDR took office as president for the first time, or Frank Sinatra released his first hit single, Polka Dots and Moon. Oh, Moon this music. is just going to be a complete guess. I have no idea. That bastard FDR let all my people die. I'm going to go with, um, <laughs> only because I like him more, old Blue Eyes, Frank Sinatra. Oh, eat me. You were wrong by a whole seven years. FDR in 1933. No. And then uh, gotten that. Frank in 1940. Yeah. You know, by the way, I'm not wearing any panties again today. Just saying. I know that. Yeah, you let yeah. me know about three or four times yeah. today. The laundromat is late with my... Uh, another thing I can't do, I can't wash and dry in my like I do in my house. So oh, all yeah. my boxer okay. shorts are sitting in some laundromat on 33rd Street. And so I have no panties on today. Someone could only be so lucky to follow with that. Until uh, speaking of late, uh, we're a little late on the game yeah, here. So. Let's, go, let's go. Let's Number go. three, the Beatles released their debut album, Please Please Me, or JFK was assassinated. JFK. Same year, six months apart, Beatles really? came first. Okay. Uh, number four, sliced bread was invented, or... Queen Elizabeth II was born. Sliced bread. I'm 100% sure. <laughs> <laughs> idiot. God. Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> At least you got your own cable for by two whole years. <laughs> All right, finally, number five. I had it. Hold on. You got to get this one. This yeah. Dinosaurs roam the earth <laughs> right. or the Mets won the World Series. Wow, speaking of which, yeah. Mets winning the World Series, yeah. Neil Armstrong walked on the moon or the Mets won their first World Series. This I do know Neil Armstrong. Did I win? No, no, you lost miserably. It's actually an embarrassing loss. All right. You should never show your face again. Hang your head. Wouldn't be my first. Yeah, whatever. I'm still better off than Joe Biden is today. We'll take a short break, come back, and wrap things up. Congratulations to our contestant. We'll wrap it up right after this.
You know what movie they played this song at the end of? Shallow Hell. You knew it already? No, it's all right. You know. No, you, you knew it. Know. I'm sorry. You know. Which came first? Or Dinosaurs Roam the Earth? <laughs> yeah. Jack Black was actually funny in this movie. And uh, who was the female star again? It was... Chris Martin's wife from Coldplay. Yeah, Chris, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. Paltrow. Yeah. It's a good song. Rosemary. That's Peter King's wife's name. He, he was on today. He was great. What a great show. Everybody was terrific. Brian Kilmeade, Curtis Sliwa, Lara Trump, Peter King, Daniel Nigro. You, Lou, is always amazing. Diego, thank you for uh, three days of hard work. You did a really good job. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Macedonia, Phil, tremendous. Of course, Deb Valentine and Noam Layden. All my crew folks, the best in the business. If you had an accident, trust Gabu Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabu Law has recovered millions for their clients, and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabu Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident.